welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Today, July 23rd, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. I've got a great show planned for you today. It was really meant to be a follow-up, and it kind of developed into something more. I mean, it, it, you'll see that there's a lot of follow-up to things we just discussed, but for some reason, as I was putting this together, I just think this is a really good show. There's a lot of really good stuff in here that I think make some important points. The, the main po- point of today was to follow up on the transgender part of the show we didn't get to, which I think is a really important part of this topic. The, the evolution of the coverage in corporate media and the Wall Street Journal seemingly coming out right, you know, out of first out of the gate from what I can tell in the corporate media, calling this what it is, that there's no evidence to back this up, that children aren't ready for this. And so we're going to go over that today and, and show you some more very important stuff around this conversation. One is a follow-up, excuse me, to the interesting conversation of endocrine disrupting chemicals and whether or not those have an influence on, on gender dysphoria, which the science shows that they do, but that there's another angle to this conversation. Somebody just put out a new book, and hopefully our work influenced this, about the idea of, of whether or not Two, two ways to look at it, whether or not the idea of these chemicals leading to this is acknowledged but outwardly disputed because internally it's something that they agree with. They being whatever conversation you want to have, not not individual transgender people, well, maybe in different conversations, but from like maybe a conspiratorial government perspective. But you, you before we even get into all of this, the point is that the data backs this up. The fact that this is happening and the effects are there, the simple question is, and then adding to it the, their own conversations about this with other internal conversations in these groups about how this is something that is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, let's say X, Y, and Z causing some kind of thing we used to call a birth defect or something that leads to some kind of disorder. Well, there's a new perception around this that may be that, well, these things are just What's the term? I'm trying to make it ridiculous, but you know, like the the you know patriarchal white supremacy, you know, kind of thing where well, those things aren't just they're they're just different, not necessarily worse. Well, they are worse. We're talking about brain defects and all sorts of things. It's like saying being being overweight is not unhealthy. Well, it is. Just because we want to frame these things as some kind of a different, you know, societal change in the way we view these things, the health and the biology, these things are facts. And so it's interesting that we're seeing this overlap of the conversation to where it might actually be that there's an internal effort to make this the reality or at the other side of it would be that it's something that's developed that's now being leaned into for that very reason. Now, these are just hypotheticals in which some people are afraid of those things and call them conspiracy theories. We should be allowed to discuss these things and ask ourselves whether there's credence to it. But as always, we'll go over the evidence and you can decide for yourselves. We're going to start with a point about vaccines and uh, just a more of kind of a quick point. We're going to go over the Jamie Foxx point that kind of exploded yesterday and, and that, that a kind of disjointed follow up to the smallpox vaccine. But I wanted to make a larger point. But then we're going to end with the climate lockdowns conversation. So make sure you stay tuned to all, for all of this, because I think that the and there is a connective point here. And I think for me, the way I see it is just that and I, these things don't always have to connect, but I see it as leading in the direction of censorship around the idea of these conversations, in this case, the transgender conversation, and leading in the direction of, of censoring you and controlling what you can do, social credit through your, through your transactions and so on, that leads us into the idea of some sort of financial or climate level lockdown. And I think that's where we see these overlapping is they're 
a means to an end. If you really can stand back and see the bigger picture and rather really the truth, the, the way to frame it is that you should ask yourself whether this is what's happening and whether we should be concerned about something like a climate lockdown, because that conversation has resurged yet again, or yeah, resurged. We've talked about that many times and it's interesting how it's a fake story. Then it's logical because maybe this will help us because look what happened with COVID. Then it becomes a fake story again. Now it's becoming something they're floating again. And now because of what happened in Oxford, it's now yet again a fake story. Got to love corporate media today. They must realize how ridiculous they are. But let's again start with the couple of updates around the vaccine and COVID-19 conversation that I think are really important. One, Brooke Jackson's case. Uh, apparently, the, the, remember, the quick uh, rehash we have interviewed her more than once about this, about her case in general, calling out the fraud of both Ventavia and Pfizer and the entire process. And everything is on her side. The facts I mean, everything. I mean, you, I, again, if you look at them yourselves, which we this is the first interview she did with anybody anywhere about this topic in regard to a video interview about this case, which I'm very proud of because it's a really important story that has gone the world around. And we were the very first people to enter T-Lab. Myself, personally, were the very first to interview Brooke Jackson. In this, you'll find all of the evidence, all of the, all the documents, all of the source material. I mean, just, and, and then the Burden Medical Journal's review of that very same evidence. The point is, it was immediately clear in the very beginning that she was right. Then, of course, they dragged their feet. There was all this action. We interviewed her a second time. More evidence came out that completely confirmed exactly what she was saying. Long story short, the point is they then came around and in a court of law, we showed you this video, argued that because there was the things we've been saying, that the medical countermeasure aspect, the idea that there was not a real argument that this was going to have the effect they said it did. It's sort of like arguing from, you know, a any number of examples we have, like a Tucker Carlson example where they argue in court that nobody really takes me seriously. Therefore, you can't take this seriously. And then we don't apply that going forward. Well, that's kind of the idea here is that they they argued to get themselves out of this, that this wasn't exactly the reality, that the way that the government, and the media are presenting what this was supposed to be is not actually the case. And the bottom line is they got this basically stalled. And I only say stalled now because it appears that it's now back. It's going forward. The appeal was accepted. And our brief is due August 7, 2023, rather to be more use the correct terms and legal. They've appealed the what would be the right term for what they did? I guess they they uh, they object. I don't even know, actually. And I'm blanking on the term. Give me in the chat what it would be last time because they basically. That's incredible. I can't believe I'm forgetting the term. In any case, I'm going to move past it. The point is they were able to kind of stall this process. They have appealed that. And now we're now going forward on uh, it's due August 7th. where they are going to get to represent more information. And she said, this is not my case. This is our case. And it must have support, not financial, but public and political support. It is not being discussed by any public figure displaying outrage over anything Pfizer's mRNA vaccine. Ask yourself why. Well, you know, I consider myself a public figure, but I know what she means. The point is that all that aside, my stumbling through the ter correct terms for legalese, I'm going to have her back on in a few days and we'll discuss this. So keep your eyes open. We're going to be interviewing Brooke for the third time. We're going to go over where this is at, updates on what's happened so far for those that haven't followed it, because it's been a long time. And that's really my opinion why... These things are stretched out the way they are. Isn't it interesting how when the government wants something, these legal cases can fly back, fly through in a, in a week and all of a sudden it's over. But when they don't want that, this thing gets stretched out for three, four years and people lose sight of it. 
And what happens in the meantime? A hundred thousand different distraction cat toy stories. I say cat toy because the, you know, dangly cat toy. We all bat at it. All the different stories they dump in front of us. And we're light years from where this was. Anyway, keep up on this. We're going to follow up with her shortly. Check up on the last interviews we've done, as well as the other independent media. So you're up on the case before we re-interview her again. Now, let's talk about the Jamie Foxx discussion. Now, this just happened. What's really interesting to me, I was this, this was shared... Now, first of all, note how many views this has gotten. Now, what, I, what I've come to realize, here's where I originally shared it from. This Our Voices Matter. This one only has 55,000 views. I shared it from this one. One point being that, so 3.75, maybe minus the other 55,000 are from me posting this. And then everybody sharing it, which is fantastic. I just want you to note that I highly doubt that we are the majority. I always feel this way when we see the actual engagement. And it's not whether we all agree on the point. I mean, there's a whole bunch of conversation in this, even though I never made this point about how it's a clone and it's fake. And, and just to get that out of the way right out of the gate, I mean, are, is the technology possible? I, I believe it is. Is, is it, Could that? Sure, possible. I also think it's quite ridiculous to just dump that argument as fact on this conversation with literally nothing other than your visual opinion. I just find that to be absolutely irresponsible and ridiculous. Sure, people can say, I think that's a clone. Why not? Have fun. Talk about it all day long. But that's not really what we're seeing in this conversation that just went crazy underneath where a lot of people are like, that's not real. I can tell. His eyes are different. I just am so tired with the false certainty on every platform today. Again, is it possible? Sure. Anything is possible. I don't, I mean, that's all, I mean that. Quite frankly, I don't think there's any evidence to suggest this is not him other than some anomalies, you know, like the fact that there's a difference on his face, that his eyebrows look different, his skin color. But as Peter McCollum and plenty of others have pointed out, <laughs> when you have a stroke and go through lots of problems and lose 15 pounds of weight, that can change. I'm not saying I know that's the truth either. My point is, let's not be ridiculous and assume, right? But what's important here is that we were clearly lied to, guys. That's not even up for debate as far as I can tell. I mean, I shouldn't say it like that. There's, I'm sure there could be some kind of abstract argument for why he was somehow in a hospital with tubes, yet somehow played pickleball and was riding on a boat, you know, whatever else. It's like, I don't know. These things don't add up to me. But this video just went out. I believe it was yesterday or the day before. I'll play it for you in a second. And he's basically saying that he was struggling, that he, he, he kind of seems to break down and starts to cry and then stops and starts again and None of this adds up with the narrative we were spun. Now, why would that make sense? Let's 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 play him first, and then we'll go over all the ins and outs. First of all, I want to say thank you to everybody that's prayed, man, and sent me messages. I cannot even begin to tell you um, how, how far it took me and how how it brought me back. Um, uh, I went through something that I. I thought I would never ever go through. Uh, and I know a lot of people were waiting, you know, or wanting to hear updates, but to be honest with you, I just didn't want you to see me like that, man. You know, I want you to see me laughing, having a good time, partying, cracking a joke, doing a movie. So right there, you could simply argue, and this is what plenty of the, you know, people, the normie crowd might argue. Well, you know, he just, he, the, the family and everybody else, they put out what he wanted you to see because he didn't want you to see him and think about him that way. Yeah, sure. I guess that makes sense. It's kind of irresponsible, though, isn't it? Especially when we know that there is a problem here. And that's one of the things everybody seems to point out, that if this is something that is vaccine related, then it's a, it's wildly irresponsible to keep this quiet and under wraps like with Damar Hamlin. It's like we that's, it's like they all know we know that they know we know kind of a game. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it gets ridiculous. But 
we should assume, right? But as I've said, and I'll, I'll read my thing in a minute, that it, it's, well, let me play this first. My point is about assuming about whether it's the vaccine. I mean, we should absolutely be able to ask this question. It's funny how it was completely unacceptable for you to not tell people your vaccine status when it was on the other side of the coin. Now it's completely irresponsible for you to ask now that we're past this thing. Of course, I love how that just gets the blows with the wind. Whatever you feel is right today is what we're supposed to do. Completely double standard, isn't it? Obviously. Television show, I didn't want you to see me with uh, with tubes um, running out of me and, and trying to figure out uh, if, if I was going to make it through. And to be honest with you, my, uh, my sister, Deidre Dixon, my daughter, Corinne Marie, Sometimes things, you know, no, I, I don't know if that's uh, Do- See, of course, Dom Luca down here has to add his name to this other person's video because that's what everyone does today. That makes no sense to me, but I'm sure he probably cut that. I don't know if that was cut in the original. It's kind of irrelevant. My point is not so much about the entire statement, because as always, you know, if we're at, if the question really is about whether we're being hidden from something and, they, you know, why would they why, you know, question all maybe this is not real and maybe this is and I'm not a suggesting like that it's not a real person or it's a a clone. I'm just saying that they might be hiding more information. Like they might not put out what really happened, or he might be there saying this and then going lay back to the hospital bed. I mean, who knows? All anything's possible. Just let's not assume because that's always what makes people look ridiculous. Get out of hand. People saying what I got. Some people said I was, I was blind, but as you can see, uh, as you can see, the eyes are working, eyes are working just fine. Uh, said I was paralyzed. I'm not paralyzed. Um, but I did go through, I went to hell and back and my road to recovery uh, had some. So, so just right there. Well, that's not what we were told. So you could all day decide what you think that means. But we were told that's not, yeah, he's okay. He's just, you know, just taking his time off and he's pickleballing and everything's fine. You know, it's like, okay, well, why is that necessary? Right. They'll, they'll make arguments all day long about how privacy and all oh, that's not your responsibility. Well, that's not how you treated me when I was saying the same. Right. doesn't mean it's justified to push through people's privacy. But the point is that this is a lot bigger than one person's private medical situation at this point. I'm still arguing. Of course, you have the right to medical privacy. I'm not forcing you to do anything like you were forcing us. I'm just saying I find it irresponsible to not be open because of what's going on in the world. And of course, you still have the right to not tell anybody. That's that's your right. But we know there's a bigger problem here, and this is the kind of thing that becomes – it's interesting how it's the, inver- the reverse of the same kind of thing. You know, the societal responsibility. The only difference is we're not forcing you to tell anybody. We're simply using that argument to say you, it probably – it makes sense if you really do care about the societal issue to be honest about what's going on here. In the reverse, they'd say that and then fire you and remove your paycheck and put you in prison and go, it's your choice though. Potholes as well. But um, I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I'm coming back and uh, I'm able to work. So I want to thank uh, uh, the people that let me work. Um, and I just want to like say uh, I, that, I, that I, I love everybody and I love all of the love that I got. And man, you know, I know they talk about people crying on videos. You know, you can do take two, but I'm not going to do a take two. This is, it is what it is. And. If you see me out uh, from now on and every once in a while, I just burst into tears is because just kidding. Uh, I don't know if I get that, man, but I'm here on earth because of some great people. I'm here on earth because of God, man. So I love all y'all. I just want to jump on here and let you know that uh, I'm on my way back. 
I don't know if that was an edit from somebody else or what do you mean? Like she would break into tears. I just got, I don't know. That, that seems odd to me. Now, anyway, the, all, all, everything aside, the interesting part is I, just the, the cover up of what, you know, the, the, the original part of the story. Not whether there's a, you know, the deeper, like, again, ask questions. Nobody should be afraid to ask questions no matter how ridiculous or how conspiratorial they may be. Unless you can prove it, though, you shouldn't be one of these jackasses online right now screaming about what you know is going on when you clearly don't. But it's funny, though, by the way, I just literally last night watched <laughs> They Clone Tyrone <laughs> just because of this. And I'm thinking, well, this is, maybe this is all some big Hollywood ploy. <laughs> it's just, who knows what's going on? But it's really interesting after all the weird social predicted programming, you know, white noise. And I mean, everything. There's so many weird overlaps that they literally have this happen right before you know not they it happens right before this i just think that's an interesting thing but what i said is glad he's okay pretty clear he wasn't playing pickleball though to me that seems to be the most kind of straightforward point so that's telling as dr mccullough says at this point with all the evidence we have it should be assumed to be the jab until proven otherwise clearly something serious happened now, i didn't post these double images that came from the place that i shared but i do think it's still interesting to compare to see there's quite a big difference there now what dr mccullough points out and I think, I don't know if I have that up too. No, I don't. But the heat points out, whatever this is called, the, the crinkle line, the line from your nose down to your mouth. You can see that it's there on the one side, but not on the other. Now you can kind of see that it's sort of like that here, but Dr. McCullough makes a point about that. See, he knows, I mean, it's, apparently that's a sign of some sort of a, a stroke or something like that. I think that's interesting. That's, that's, that's an expert, a cardiologist telling us that. And so he makes all these other points about how it seems to be quite clear that he did suffer a stroke, just like he thought. Now, this point seems to upset a lot of people. <laughs> and what's funny to me is that this is not they, like that's bad logic. Well, what do you mean bad logic? Now, if you're in a world where you can see this, the, every aspect of the evidence points in a single direction. It's not we're not saying we know. You see, that's what they think is happening. We're saying it just as an investigatory direction, as a detective, as a medical investigator, if you see all the evidence, well, you're going to go, okay. So when we start this investigation, we're going to go, well, the evidence says it's most likely this. So we'll start there. <laughs> that's what he's saying. That's all that means. That's, that, that is the epitome of logic. But it's really funny to watch all of these pro only, you know, there's, you know, counter to the evidence pro vaccine type people out here screaming that you can, how dare you suggest that we know well, I'm not saying we know. You see, there's where your logic becomes faulty because I never said that. But you wink, wink, think this is what I mean. And and how I'm the illogical one. The point is the evidence is clear. In a thousand different directions, we know that there is that this is happening. The peer-reviewed science makes that clear. Whether or not they scream from a narrative hilltop that that's wrong, the science is quite clear. The body of evidence is quite clear. So when we have this example, we should go, well, we know, let's find out. Did you get the vaccine? Oh, hush, hush. No one wants to talk. We'll lie about whether he's suffering from something. Well, there's also a good indication that they're hiding something, but we don't know. The answer is we don't know, period. But the evidence all across the table points to one clear direction. So I stand with what he's saying, that that's likely what happened here. I mean, what else are we going to talk about? There's certainly po people that's certainly possible. But we're not going to talk about how all these 20, 30, 40 healthy somethings are having heart attacks and blood clots. I just saw another guy from NFL, blood clots, 20-something, got blood clots in his legs. Totally normal today, though, right? No, it's not. It's pretty damn unprecedented when you break down the amount that's happening. And I I mean, again, T-Lab, light years ahead of that story, knocking down the idea of the collapsing athletes two years ago, right? I'm sure it's going to come back up again at some point, and somebody will break the story, even though that's been nailed to the ground a long time ago. 
this is an important story. I think that what we're ultimately seeing is that they're just trying to hide. I mean, possibly just anything that even potentially relates to this. Maybe they don't even know. They just go, well, we don't want to talk about it because it might. And remember, these people at the corporate news level, they don't have any idea what's going on, guys. <laughs> they're, they're being directed. Now, what I think is really telling about this on a couple other points for censorship and Twitter and so on, so 3.7 million views. That's pretty, that's pretty fantastic to see the reach here. Now, what I noticed is that this is the one I shared it for, from, like I said, 55. Let's refresh, see what it's at. Still 55.6. All right, so okay, so I shared it from there. Now, when you go to the top and search for Jamie Foxx, which, by the way, literally, in, both in the thing and as well as 100,000 comments underneath all say his name, so there's no reason it wouldn't show up here. What you'll notice is that my video doesn't. You fresh it, you can search. I'm just pointing that out. Again, for those that always want to make it about me, I'm not, this is not about me. I'm not complaining. I don't, have, I don't expect anything, other, anything different from Twitter. It's exactly what I expect. The point in showing you this is to show you that, some, that this platform is not acting honestly. That's all that just we need to understand that because people are engaging with it as if it is. So you'll, you can scroll and you'll find a lot of other videos that have far less. Now, this, for instance, this one has a lot more views. I think it's at. Uh, oh, no. See, this one's only 57. That's not right. There was one that above me that was from. Oh, that's post millennial. There's someone here that have like 10 million views now. But look, I mean, you can see this one's 55,000. These are supposed to be top posts, right? Mine's got 3.7 million views. There's some that have more, but you'll notice it's not there. And I just want to point out, this is how it's not just me. Go search for this stuff on Twitter. You'll find large right-wing accounts that have been screaming into the wind about how weird that nothing works. There's something wrong. And I think it's exactly what we worried about. But I just think that's interesting. I think T-Lab in particular is being aggressively suppressed. Now, there's one that's 18 million, but same thing. When these first went up, these things were lower than the one that I had. And I've, I've compared with other people and the same thing is happening. A lot of independent platforms just not popping up on the top. So we're, we're being obfuscated, suppressed. Oh, wait, I think I combined something. There was one other point here. Oh, did I lose it? Shoot, I think I actually lost it. Oh, well, there was one other point that I was going to make. Oh, well, it was about something regarding Twitter and censorship. Anyway, the point is that ultimately I would, would continue to engage with. Oh, look, that's funny right there. They claim Tyrone. That's funny, but that people have been trying to help me get past this barrier on Twitter to see if they're even going to acknowledge it. And they're out here trying to get everybody to engage with the ad revenue and so on. And, and even Lindsay, Texas Lindsay tagged me and said, hey, you know, here, here Ryan's dealing with the same problem. They just, and I DM this. Just, it's funny how many people right now, including, again, high level right wing accounts. That's not saying what I am. <laughs> completely no two party illusion, but are getting just completely snubbed by all this. I just think it's very interesting. Now, that's not even very news related, but I, it's interesting how much I'm, you guys have been hearing me talk about the social engineering I think is taking place on Twitter more than I've ever seen. Maybe a slightly less overt censorship, but I think I've seen obfuscation and suppression skyrocket personally. I think a lot of people agree with that. Now, Going forward on the same point of vaccination and COVID-19, here's a couple of other important points. Now, this is we went pretty deep on a couple last shows on some COVID stuff. So we're going to put a pin in this after a couple more points and go over to, you know, where the other health discussion, which I think is really important right now, which is what's happening with our kids. But Epoch Times points out CDC changed definition of breakthrough COVID-19 after emails about vaccine failure. Now, we talked about this already, but not the timing. So it's actually important coverage about 
this is from yesterday, about how the CDC got notified about a problem and then quietly played with that same window. Remember the 14, 21-day window? Right. And th- th- this is constantly what they've done arbitrarily with nothing other than their just them deciding have moved that that scale, put their finger on the scale and move the time frame. Now, it says they altered the definition of COVID-19 cases among the vaccinated, or otherwise breakthrough cases, leading to a lower number of classified breakthrough cases, according to documents obtained. You can look at them in the in this article, the documents are there for you to look at right here. The CDC in early 2021 defined the post-vaccine cases as people testing positive seven or more days after the receipt. The definition, now understand, see, this is the same thing they play with it. It's not about whether, like, if you want to argue that this thing doesn't take effect, and this is where it would possibly make sense, you can argue, okay, fine, if this thing doesn't effectively block or stop until this point in time, well, then you could argue that everything before that wouldn't be. Now, we're not talking, we're only talking cases here. But when they start to pretend like any kind of safety problem, any kind of serious adverse event that happens within 14 days shouldn't be counted, that's just completely unscientific and illogical. So, so because the, things, the thing that doesn't stop COVID-19 hasn't taken effect yet, so that's why you, myocarditis doesn't count? Explain for me how that makes sense. Why, is myo, why would the thing stopping COVID-19 stop you from getting multiple sclerosis, right? The point is these aren't because of COVID-19. It's a vaccine-created side effect. That's what they're trying to hide. In this case, you might be able, you could argue that if it's not effectively stopping it, that maybe it should be 14 days. But the point is not, and I don't agree with that, but the point is not that that was scientifically got reached. They arbitrarily changed it when somebody sent them notification about how we see that there's a problem here. So they just moved it. And on top of all of that, let's not forget that it doesn't stop transmission anyway. And it does not reduce your ability to catch it and actually increases your risk of getting sick based on all the current science. So this is completely dishonest, if not criminal. The definition was changed on February 2nd, 2021 to only include cases detected at least 14 days after. How many times we have been harping on this since what? I think even 2020, we got the early documents talking about how this was going to end up being the case. The 20 to 14 day window, we early were onto that. Quote, we have revised the case definition, it says. The rationale for the change was redacted, of course. Because that's what ha- that's what it's like in a democratic, honest system, right? Not even an oxymoron, really. I mean, think about how incredible that is. Give us 75 years from the FDA. <laughs> the CDC changes definitions and redacts the reasoning. But it's all transparent, right? Just It's just really kind of unnerving to see how blatantly dishonest there are. And there's so many people trapped on left or right side of this illusion that would screen you down in, uh, for different reasons, but for the same result. Because they're lost in the two-party paradigm. But the crazy part about it is this is happening all over the place. Here's Vinay Prasad pointing out another example of a study that we've called out in the past. The New England Journal of Medicine, a study from, uh, oh, excuse me. This is, oh, I, th- I thought this was the older one. I'm cor- I cor- I cor- I cor- I correcting myself here. I missed that. When I looked at this first, I didn't look at the date. That's my fault. Well, I could have swore this was the older one. This is actually more important than I thought then. I saw this this morning. Yeah, July 20th. Okay, so we've seen one in the past. Remember the ones from New England Journal of Medicine talking about the booster, specifically the BNT162B2 going forward? That's just so interesting. I just, it really is incredible how much science can come out new from the leading journals challenging what they're saying and nothing shifts. It's actually, it's crazy to me. So anyway, so we've seen numerous examples of this. The point, here's another example of a study coming out and then it's being called out by individuals and they don't retract it. 
like they do with the other ones that are still proven to be true, but admit that it's wrong. They all of them went to town with this group, and this is uh, Tracy Beth Hogg as well, who we follow. They've proven that Israeli studies, which FDA relied on to go forward, are confounded, contradictory. Boosters reduce non-COVID deaths far too much to be true. Israeli authors concede this in a reply. The point is, when you compare this, you find that ultimately in the control in the the booster arm, you have this ninety like ninety percent reduction in COVID. But it turns out when you look further, well, there's a ninety percent reduction in all cause mortality. And then also on the other side, there's a, it doesn't make sense. And they're now admitting this. Now, we, you, feel free to dive through this. The point is that we don't, there's, this is one on top of a hundred, a lot of studies that we've gone through that have been shown to be not just wrong, but inherently dishonest from the Lancet to the New England Journal of Medicine. And I think a lot of people are starting to come around to that now. And that's why it's not about one study. It never has been. It's about the scientific method. And now people who care about that are proving that these studies were bastardized in order to push you into these dangerous injections that are dangerous. Now, that is exactly why people like Andrew Wakefield, not a disgraced ex-doctor, but a person who was forced out of his field because he was right about what we're finally starting to be able to talk about which is that the people behind these, the intentions behind this technology, the people pushing this from the corporate level do not care about your health, if not are trying to make you sick. You can decide for yourself. Now, you could also, if you're able to show discernment and not fall head, fall, head headlong into the two-party illusion, realize that simultaneously you can argue that vaccine technology can help people. I'm not sure if I agree with that. I'll tell you right now, I'm super jaded on this topic, but I will be, I'm always willing to admit that if what we understand about vaccine technology is correct, and that's a big if, but if it is, well, if somebody honest were to make something based on what they think could help people and study it effect efficiently for five years and you know be completely forward about the side effects and go informed consent, well, sure, it's choice. Why not? I think that makes sense. But again, we could be completely misled about the entire field. And a lot of people believe that today. I'm open to that. But the idea is that nobody right now should be comfortable taking one of these things when we just got a world, a three-year worldwide class on why we shouldn't. But these people have been caught lying. They've been caught forcing people to take things that, in fact, you could prove they knew would hurt them. And I'm talking not just one company, government down, company-wide. This is incredible. So when it's uh, Dr. Uh, Ahmad Malik, who we follow as well, just interviewed Andrew Wakefield. And he just says, please watch this because the truth doesn't need propaganda or censorship. Make up your own mind. But, of course, the Daily Mail comes out and says, disgraced ex-doctor and anti-vaxxer Andrew Wakefield claims he wouldn't recommend kids get any jabs in new podcasts, sparking fury among medics. Just, it's pretty much the same stance he's had for a while since he realized that we we're being lied to from federal government and institutions that were supposed to keep us safe, right? Brian Hooker, who was involved with this same thing, Del Bigtree, maintained the same points. So... On that note, not to go entirely deep on this today, I just wanted to go into one example of this from the past that a lot of people bring up, but we don't really, people dismiss this without looking. Now, this is just a, an interesting kind of compilation here of the, of the image of this cover, and then somebody reading what this is. Now, before we go into this actual, the evidence around it, let's listen to what it says. First of all, it says, Roman says that after 70 years of vaccination and 30 plus years of compulsory vaccination, the smallpox pandemic, 1871 to 73 exposed vaccination as a failure with massive numbers of deaths in the vaccinated yet the orthodox medical men march on ignoring the enormous disaster quickly forgetting now right now they're 
approving another anthrax vaccine. I mean, all sorts of variations on the same smallpox dangerous injection, literally called the world's most dangerous vaccine in regard to monkeypox. They're fo- forcing, pushing forward mRNA platforms with multivalent, all sorts of n- nanoparticle ferritin injections for flu. I mean, it's off the rails. Everything I just said is completely verifiable. And I'm talking like in the next year, if not quicker, are already coming out, if not already ready. So think about that in the sense that we just literally lived through the example that shows you that the basis for these injections are at, at faulty at best, or, or they didn't care, or they didn't study it long enough, or however you want to look at it. They just failed. Fauci admitted this in his Cell.com article that they don't seem to care about. So then taking all that in, in, in mindset, we're just maybe just they are knowingly hiding this from you. Take it all the way back to the beginning or early in regard to the earliest examples of this and whether or not these things, whether polio, smallpox, whether they actually have the effect that we're being told, seeing as how history is always written by the winning hand. Here's what this says. Hmm. Oh, you know what? I guess I, I, I forgot that I redid this. Give me 10 seconds. When I was reorganizing the sections from yesterday, I forgot that I didn't grab this one again. So this is, but basically, I think this guy made this himself, or he shared it with somebody else. It's just you can see the, the text on the screen, and then it just kind of reads off from one of these older studies, and then we'll get right into that actual information. The deaths from smallpox have assumed the proportions of a plague. Over 10,000 lives have been sacrificed during the past year in England and Wales. In London, 5,641 deaths have occurred since Christmas. Of 9,392 patients in the London smallpox hospitals, no less than 6,854 had been vaccinated, nearly 73% taking the mortality at 17.5% of those attacked and the deaths this year in the whole country at 10,000, it will follow that more than 122,000 vaccinated persons have suffered from smallpox. Can we greatly wonder that the opponents of vaccination should point to such statistics as an evidence of the failure of the system? The Lancet, July 15, 1871. Now, that conversation in general, just the, the, the kind of general point of it, Right. That ultimately, whether it was polio or different examples, they were given at a time when there was a problem. Technically speaking, if you understand, if you believe this mindset, usually the argument is that it was already on the decline because of natural, you know, people got sick and then variants spread, which get less you know, dangerous. And so it becomes more transmissible, but less deadly. And then people get antibodies and slowly just de- the natural decline. Yeah, people died. Sure. But it goes away. Right. As opposed to injecting genetic manipulations that make things explode and go crazier and, you know, however we're talking about it today. But in this case, the idea being that it was already on the decline, the injection was given, and a lot of people got sick because of it. And it increased and then went down again. And then they call the down again part a, fail, a success. Now, that, you could decide for yourself whether that's the reality. I just wanted to show this and then get into where this is being taken from. Because it's not that hard to find a lot of this stuff. This has been cited over and over all across a lot of important journals. So it's th- this here. This is in uh, specifically, which one was this again? This is the Boston Medical Journal. This is where it cites this. What the heck? There we go. So citing the Lancet, same thing, July 15th. It's saying of 9,392 patients in the London smallpox hospital, no less than 6,854 had been vaccinated. That's pretty clear. 
right? Here, the Library of the University of Michigan says the same thing. I don't know why these won't do it right here. I have to go back. There you go. Same thing. Same thing. Of the 9,392 patients in the London Smallpox Hospital, no less than 6,054 had been vaccinated. Now, you can read further on these, and it's making the same point. In the Lancet, editorial states this, and it's all being recited and recited through lots of high-level publications. Here's the Cleveland Medical and Surgical Report. Same point. So it's obviously a valid point that's been recited until suddenly it became inconvenient to the narrative. Now it's fake news, right? What's funny is when you actually try to find the original document, you'll find something very interesting. One, that you seemingly can't access it from the Lancet, but then when you actually find it, oh, look, you have to literally prove that you're from, uh, this was me pretending I was from the CDC to see if it worked, but no, they send you a, I just grabbed one of their emails. They send you an email to have to prove that you're part of some institution to be able to see the study. Now, why would that be? Now, yes, there are examples of that all over the place, but it's an interesting old, it's a document from 18, what was it again? 1871, and we're going to pretend like you need to have, I mean, that's very telling to me. The point is, we know this is real, and it's been cited, it's from the Lancet, it's been recited and recited through all sorts of medical journals. So the point is, the vast majority, the stat was right here, what it says, uh, the percentage, what does it say, 70, 73%. 73% of the people that got sick in the hospitals being treated for, well, who got sick with smallpox were the people that were Vaccinated for smallpox and then got smallpox. 73%. I just think that's ridiculous. Now, the point is, historically, you can find evidence of these kind of realities, and yet we get told something different. Now, why is that? You can decide for yourself. Maybe that, maybe the Lancet was lying. I don't know. <laughs> the point is that you should need to come to your own conclusions. But to simply walk away and pretend that that's fake news because the news, because the fake news said, because Fox and CNN screamed that you're wrong. It's, it's just, it's childish. We were, everybody was taught different than this, at least in my generation, that you're supposed to question things, that you're supposed to do your own research. Now, on the last couple of notes, I just wanted to reiterate this. Another ridiculous fake news kind of story. I recently reevaluated, re went further of the current level of evidence. Is there graphene oxide in the COVID-19 injections? Now, from what I can tell, even using that point that everyone seems to point at, the, ar the argument would arguably be, if it is, as far as I can tell at the moment, it is a very, very small residual amount after using the, the was it the quant gold foil testing process where they use graphene sheets to, to use this test to, 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 to excuse me, to, efficient it was it to complete the test i guess now the argument is that that potentially could have some residual effect the expose did a great report on this but other than that there's no evidence that it's an ingredient or that it is other than maybe residual other than or that it's 98 percent of the entire vial or whatever the arguments have been that's where i ended up that the point on top of all of that though is that there's I, I, could, I could do an entire show, two hours long, just endless amounts of peer-reviewed research saying graphene oxide in regard to adjuvants, in regard to vac vaccines in general, in regard to all sorts of treatments via syringe are the future. And yet somehow it's completely ridiculous to even ask that question. There's a weirdness there. So my point in this is that I don't believe we can prove at least the moment that that's an ingredient, or maybe it's not, but it's obvious that it is something tied in with all of this. Then for those that just off that aren't happy with that, the point is if you need a little bit more, Realize that there are two examples right now where it's already inside of a vaccine treatment. Not, not a COVID injection, as far as I can tell, but here's an example of a cancer, mRNA cancer treatment that, yes, uses graphene oxide. 
The graphene oxide can efficiently load drug substances thanks to its large surface area. This is, we're talking about this exact point. Here is another injection, a flu injection using graphene oxide. Graphene oxide nanoparticles in the influenza injection. Here's the title of the study. It's 2023, by the way, from last month. Recent progress and application of nanovaccines for enhancing mucosal immune responses. So look, look, it's, it's mind-blowing that we can't have these conversations, or really it's just kind of humbling to realize that so many people, or at least the, that's the perception we're being given, are just mindless followers. Or I guess humbling is the wrong word there, but the point is ultimately it's, it's just, it's right in front of us. This is real. They're literally using this in an injection as we speak, and yet to ask this question elsewhere is like laugh you out of town ridiculous. That always tells me something. So I just wanted to include that again for those that may have missed this central point in the larger show, that they're using it right now. Now, both the military overlap, but also just the health conversation. I think it's really important to ask where this all plays in. This discussion of the transgender movement and and the illusion that this is about health, the illusion this is about stopping suicide, the illusion that this is that this is reversible, the illusion that this is about gender dysphoria, like all these all these are blatant on the surface misrepresentations, lies, or I mean I, that's the I don't want to make the point is that it, who knows if this is intentional from the average person in this movement, but I do know for sure we can prove that from the top down. We're being lied to blatantly because the evidence is right there. So we just went over this yesterday. The Biden DOD lets transgender service members skip deployments, receive indefinite physical fitness waivers. I, I mean, why does that make sense to anybody? Right. So, so you're blatantly saying that these people are, are special, different, whatever you want to call it. Like, isn't that the exact opposite of what they pretend the whole movement? It's about being, you know, normal. We, we, we have a right to be like everybody else or whatever the argument is here. This is this is the absurd. This is like a, an affirmative action kind of ridiculousness. The idea that you're saying that, well, it's about equality. So in, in order to do that, we need to make you special and different as seen as, you know, like the idea of affirmative action. It was always a, an inherently racist concept. The idea that these people needed your help. Now, plenty of people argued that it was the right thing because they believed they were oppressed, and, and there's plenty of examples of that. But the point is that ultimately comes down to the inherent idea that they need the help. Otherwise, it's not fair. Well, that's just it, – it contradicts itself. So in this case, what you're literally saying is, sure, they're, they're just like anybody else. They can join and be just as efficient in the military as anybody else. But here, we'll stop you from having to go deployed. We'll stop you from having to change your, your look and your hair and your clothes. And so you're literally different than everybody else, except you're just like everybody else, right? I mean, it's, it's insulting. And that's why it becomes clear that from the government's perspective or the people pushing the agenda, it's not about any of these things, just like fighting, invading Syria or anything. It never wasn't about freedom as much as they scream freedom. It's about a lot of other things, right? So what they're doing here on top of using your tax dollars to pay for all of this stuff, counseling, which probably never happens, basically trans surgeries, treatments, hormones, puberty blockers. But then it says service members who identify as trans, and that, like, apparently that's, you just have to say that, may receive a waiver for grooming and uniform standards. Why? Why does that make sense? If, if they're all going to the military, which has very clear grooming and uniform standards, if you just say you're trans, suddenly you don't have to? Well, because you're different. You're special. There's no other way to read that. Special service members who identify as trans may receive an indefinite waiver for physical fitness standards. So you can get fat. Who cares? 
Well, obviously it matters if you're going to be deployed, but there's the next point. Service members who identify as trans will be non-deployable while taking hormones. So this is just an obvious game because we all seem to know at this point that if you start this, well, you take them the rest of your life. So there you go. So you don't ever have to be deployed. You can get fat and grow your hair out. You can do whatever you want. And that's normal. And apparently all the other soldiers are like, yay, we agree with that. Obviously not. This is about making a very clear statement outwardly that these people are different than you. They are special. They have special treatment. They get special passes. And I would argue most of them don't want that. Now, that may disagree. Plenty may disagree with that. There's a lot of people taking advantage. There's a lot of people in the in the agenda. But again, from my experience, most trans people aren't drag queens. Most drag, most trans people aren't out here screaming in your face. This is the movement, just like any other movement we've seen, just like every other right wing person you see in a movement doesn't represent every conservative you'll find out there. It's just dumb to think so. But here we are where the government is making this the reality, just like they want you to think Andrew Tate represents everybody on the right. Right. And they want you to think that, I don't know, who's another clownish person on the left? The same point. They want they hold these people up. So that's what they want you to think those sides are. It's not the truth. Now, here is something I wanted to point out early in this. I've made this point multiple times in the past. I didn't actually wrote an article about this, but I thought this was so telling. And I pointed this out when I saw this as a moment of inflection, you know, as an inflection point where I I felt it when he did this. I was like, this is a changing moment. This and I was right. Literally, since this, you could literally time this from 2015, 16, really right from this forward, where we saw the explosion of this kind of thing. Not just trans, but the idea that what you felt was more important than what you could prove, right? Your truth, right? Fight for your truth. What is your truth? No, you fight for the truth. You don't have independent individual truth. That's not reality. The truth is truth. The rest is opinion. You can debate whether one person might be wrong about the truth. That's fair. But the the point is there is only one truth in any given point we're talking about. So when I saw Newt Gingrich speaking with uh, was CNN, and made this point about how, well, you can go with the facts. I'll go with what the people think. Ah, well, that started something very interesting, where we suddenly had a time where either the people were being told the government's going to go with what you forcefully push as the narrative as opposed to what the reality is, which is far less likely. I think this was the moment where we started to see the government begin to paint that as the reality, that no, it's more important to lean into what they think than what we can prove. Now, that is everywhere. COVID-19 vaccinations, Nazis in Ukraine, transgender treatments. Literally, it's narrative versus fact. How long have I been saying that, right? Well, let's watch this clip. It's, I mean, even Forbes wrote the article. It was entitled, Newt, Gring- Newt Gingrich exemplifies just how unscientific America is. <laughs> and they went, perfect. We'll use that. Oh, wait a minute. Is that it? Is oh, yeah, down. The economy is ticking up. Bi- it is not down in the biggest cities. Violent crime murder rate is down. Then how, it come, is then down. how come it's up in Chicago, up in Baltimore, and there up in Washington? There are pockets where cer- certainly we your have nas- not tackled Your national capital, your third, your, your third biggest city. But violent crime across the country is down. The average American, I will bet you this morning, does not think crime is down, does not think they are safer. But it is. We are safer, and it is down. No, that's your view. Yeah, I, I just told no. I, 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 it's, on, it's on, I think, on uh, one of these t- nighttime shows. That's why you can hear the laughing in the background. Well, what, I said, well, what, I said is also, no, what I said is also a fact. 
current view is that liberals have a whole set of statistics which theoretically may be right, but it's not where human beings are. But what you're saying yeah, is, but, but, uh, hold, but hold on, uh, uh, Mr. Speaker, because you're saying liberals use these numbers, they use this sort of sure. magic math. This is uh, the FBI statistics. They're not a liberal organization. No, They're but what I said is equally true. People feel, feel more threatened. Yes, they feel it, but the facts don't support Fine. it. As a, as a political ca candidate, I'll go with how people feel, and I'll let you go with the theoreticians. That's crazy. Now, obviously, you could point out that we do know that politics plays an obvious role in statistics in the FBI quite clearly. So you could clearly argue that the stats could have been wrong. But like, like I've been going over for a long time, whether or not the FBI makes a statement that you can prove that these things have been going down in regard to like I made this point during the, the big push to make it out that cops were under attack, which wasn't even true statistically. It wasn't. You can show, again, examples that there were people going after or people making a lot of this was political pushback. But statistically speaking, there was years that the cops had, had less deaths or attacks or shootings of them than ever. And yet they framed it as we're under attack. And the point was that there was a manipulation here very clearly. So the point is not about disputing about who is manipulating the stats. The point is what he said at the end. I will go with what people feel. You go with the statistics. You go with the facts or however you want to frame that. I mean, it's just kind of mind-blowing, isn't it? And both sides do this because they realized very quickly if they lean into your individual delusions, well, you're easy to control. And this is possibly why we saw this spin out of control. Well, we just talked about the Wall Street Journal confirming youth gender transition is pushed without evidence, because it is. I mean, it's not even debatable. You'll hear somebody on the street in a protest screaming in your face, you're wrong, it's totally, but it's not, though. And we can prove it. We've done it on a million different shows, or you know, few of them. <laughs> that it's that the evidence is not there, and you'll hear the experts say this when push to shove comes to shove. You saw this with the Associated Press talking with WPATH, a leading group in the country, saying, "Well, you know, there's no evidence of long-term risk, but you know, this is their choice." Well, it's not though. You're talking about children in many cases, youth, gender transition in this case. We also know that it causes infertility, as they've admitted. It also causes bone problems, all sorts of strokes and, and infections. And, I mean, the overlap of puberty blockers, hormone treatments, the process. That's what they're talking about, youth gender transition. It's not safe on the surface, and then there's no long-term evidence. And this is being used? I mean, it's, it's unnerving. And this was signed by over 2,000 studies, it says, have been published discussing this problem. And then it gets into 21 different clinicians from nine countries, PhDs, PhDs, psychologists, right? The experts, right? Not the, not the, the ambiguous, undefined experts say from the corporate news, but, you know, documented experts with names and locations that you can look, you know, this, this is the reality. There is no evidence. Now, I wanted to point that out to follow up to another great article that I'm surprised is coming out from the corporate media. Gender ideology isn't kids stuff. Psychologically and emotionally, most aren't ready. All of them aren't ready for it. All of them. They're children. They haven't even hit puberty yet. They don't understand what these things mean. Now, even if you can pretend that they feel that they, they, they for some reason, can understand what they mean, the point is that they have no true understanding of what life will be like post that and then what their choices today mean when they're 45. We all know that. Now, here's what it says. And I thought this was important. A campaign is underway to introduce school children to the, lar the latest ideas about sexual orientation and gender identity. So sex. You're talking to young elementary school children about sexual identity and sexual positions. That's, they, they love to frame this about identity. It's about sex. Yeah, sexual identity. 
There's no way you decouple these things. Drag queens reading the, that they're, they're reading the books about sexual identity. You're dressed up as a drag queen, which is about sex. There's no way you decouple these things. So that's why it was such an interesting point. Because do you need to dress up like a drag queen to go read the children? No. So why did that get forced in? Are, are, all drag, are all trans people drag queens? No, not even remotely. It's a very small percentage. Most drag queens are actually straight men. The point that, or not straight men, but gay men. It's interesting to me that this is obvious on the surface. So it shows you that most people being lost into this are people that have an agenda to some degree. That'd be my opinion. But it's all about sex. As I point out, LGBTQ, every single letter in there stands for what you sexually are attracted to. That's what it's all about. Peoples in New Jersey are expected to understand the difference between these concepts by fifth grade. Fifth grade. How old, how old are you in fifth grade? Tell me, tell me in the chat. An official of the National Education Association, this, we, just, we just showed you her speaking like some kind of demagogue. It was terrifying. Literally, like speaking like, like the people compared it to like a, a Hitler-esque speech. Not because of the necessarily the topic, I think, but because of the way that she and she was, she was speaking like a preacher. Seriously, it was really concerning to me. And the largest U.S. teachers union recommends asking preschoolers, preschoolers, their preferred pronouns. So it's a game. If you're asking preschoolers, they don't know what that means. And you think they're not going to want to stick with that when they go forward. And then at three, four, five years of, of younger, of you know, elementary school level, by the time you get, well, that is who you are because you've been going by this name and this pronoun. But at, when you chose it at a time when you have no idea what it's about, this is really, un, this is nefarious to me. I, I argue still that most people don't know, don't believe it is. A lot of people, I, I don't know if it's most, but a lot of people, are just not thinking this through. They're at, they're not necessarily ill-intentioned. But quite frankly, I think it's really irresponsible because the evidence is all right there, just like with COVID. But we have to admit, there's some people in this that just don't realize they're being played. Not really a pass, though. I think you know you don't get a pass when it comes to mutilating children's genitals, quite frankly. The NEA's Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, Queer Plus Caucus, which, by the way, I, can we all just make a point about how absurd it is that in Canada... What it, it doesn't make sense anymore to, to it's to something LGBTQ plus dash something. It's just it's I'm not, I'm not even being here. Let me just look it up real quick. What is it to. Just see what pops up. Yeah, it is. This is what Canada is now. 2SLGBTQI+. Like, why not just make a name for it and then just be like, this, this encompasses it? Because everyone wants their identity to be reflected on this. And guess what? They're all just making new things up. Josh Walkos just points out some random thing. Let me see. I, I haven't even been able to vet this in regard to whether this is like the official, but this is real. I'll show you this random flag he was pointing out. So he just he was just pointing this out on Twitter. The new sexual orientation flags just dropped. And it's I mean, it doesn't make sense. Look at all these random names. I don't even try to pronounce They're They're ma- th- these people are just making up whatever they feel. And saying, well, OK, this is Plutana romantic, feeling no difference between platonic and romantic attraction. Here's Plata- Platano, platonic, sec- pl- 
platonic sexual, feeling no difference between platonic and sexual attraction. I mean, it's just, so the literal difference between these two words are romantic and sexual. I mean, it just, it's, it is unreal. Lith or Akai, romantic, someone who feels romantic attraction but does not want it reciprocated. Or like, so th- these are just, they're making up new terms and words that have just, and it's just getting more and more and more and more abstract. See my point? So to just to call it to start with LGB, oh LGBT, LGBTQ, LGBT plus, two LGBTQ, it just it's getting more and more and more ridiculous than it even is before. I don't even know what they stand for. Oh, so they included two spirit now? Doesn't that encompass? I mean, it that anyway. I'm not even trying to make fun ultimately because probably insulted by it. I don't care. I'm being honest. It just becomes kind of ridiculous. So now, are you going to add the different? ethnic version of what gay and lesbian mean like this is the native american side for what they like it just it's all over the map which shows you something i think but it says the nea's lesbian gay bisexual transgender queer plus caucus has a reading list for elementary school children that includes titles such as my princess boy and jacob's new dress and we've shown you plenty of these books now how is that not sexual now, if you're going to pretend, argue this is sex ed well that should be in a, a designated time frame where you're talking about anatomy not fellatio and anal sex and, and how to make it work and how to make it feel just right. That's exactly what these books are talking about to elementary school kids. And even then, if it doesn't have any of that stuff, well, you're still talking about a boy who is pretending, who is, you know, sexually identifies as a girl. That's sexual identity. That's sex. That is sexuality. It's important that children learn, it says, to accept differences, but not indoctrinating them or promoting an agenda is another matter. Or but in doc. So the point is that that's what a lot of people are pointing out right now. All these teachers that are making these videos about how they come out to their students and they're telling them, you know, and now what they're and they're training them to think certain ways. And here's what you can be, and you can choose what you want. This is not your place. This is not part of the curriculum as much as some places are now forcing it in. And even then, you're teaching your personal ideology to children. This is no different. And I'm going to get a point to this in a minute than teachers trying to teach children how to be Christians in class or Muslims. How much you want to bet a lot of these people would have a big problem with somebody trying to teach, like if there's a Muslim teacher trying to teach them how to be Muslims. It's no different. It's ideology. It's their personal belief, and you're pushing it on children. See how it works? But see, some things, it's double standards. It's hypocrisy. Now, There's plenty of places that would argue Christian Christians do, but not, not schools are not supposed to allow that. We all know that. But it says parents, many of whom find such ideas objectionable or exotic, are often kept in the dark about what their children are being taught. That's never acceptable or told that they have no right to opt out if they are informed. That is chilling. Parents around the country have filed lawsuits alleging that school officials withheld vital information about their own children from them. We know this. We've proven that they have inserted policies. I mean, we just played you the video from one of these clinics that are literally going, oh, you're a code Cindy. We'll make sure that they can't ask you questions. You, you know, we won't tell your parents. If they call, we'll hang up on them. This is from a medical institution, if you can call it that. Parents, many of whom find... Oh, I just read that. Um, it says children develop at their own pace. Many aren't psychologically or emotionally ready to discuss or think about identity. Like, think about that, guys. Remove the whole sexual part of it in general. Just the basic idea about, like, existentially who they are, identity is something that is beyond their grasp for a lot of children. 
I have seen many young adolescents overwhelmed by the need to know who and what I am in a heated and socially pressured environment. So these are these people, these adults are pushing children into a position where, like, like this, acting like they need to decide. That's all about the teacher. Don't misunderstand that. That is about them, not about the kids. I have even had teen patients tell me that, quote, identifying as heteronormative, yes, they've been trained to talk that way, is stressful in an environment that idealizes being queer. Right. I'll show you a video about that in a second. The idea being that there are people that, you know, you, know, you may not say that it's pr- like forceful, but they, they clearly outwardly want their kids to be gay. And that then leads to some level of pressure. And then it gets much worse than that, too. We've already shown you videos of that. This a elementary school calling heteronormative, that's not, they don't even understand what those things mean. Now, what they're trying to tell them, we'll teach them. Well, no, you won't because it's not your place. Pre-adolescent children are only discovering, beginning to discover who they are, right? All children, adults too, have both masculine and feminine parts in their personalities, which they should be free to explore and play. If a girl doesn't like wearing dresses and a boy enjoys playing with dolls, it's cruel and destructive to lead them to believe they're actually members of the opposite sex. You know what what that means? That you're not correct right now. It will fix you, though. Think about what a child takes that as. There's something wrong with me? Then they go, no, no, you're fine just the way you are, but we're going to change you to get to be what you're supposed to be. That's pretty confusing, right? The harm to children is physical as well as psychological says the Wall Street Journal. Medical societies and some schools promote off-label puberty blockers and life-altering surgeries for children and adolescents diagnosed with what they call gender dysphoria, which is a real thing, but right now is being completely decoupled from the very concept of transgender surgeries and treatment, despite the fact that we've already proven to you that they are required by law to write that down. There is no legal path to this treatment through a doctor, it's not being written down as gender dysphoria. Now, at the same time, when they're literally going, we don't have gender dysphoria. And one of the blocks is supposed to be that they say that they have gender dysphoria. That has to happen. But then but the, the W path groups like them are teaching doctors, just write it down. We just need to give them the treatment they need. Just write down whatever they say. Medical treatment. Science. It's not any of those things. School, Seattle schools teach fourth graders that, quote, Some people decide, with the help of their doctor, to take medicine or hormones to change puberty on purpose to better match their gender. Side effects of puberty blockers include mood disorders, brain swelling, seizures, cognitive impairment, and permanent infertility. Permanent infertility. It's just unbelievable. I mean, even in this article, they're not even giving the full picture. And the other issue that's a showstopper now for many parents around giving consent to puberty blockers is the fertility issue. That if the child goes straight from puberty blockers directly to cross-sex hormones, they, at this point in history, are pretty much forfeiting uh, their fertility. She goes on to basically say, but that's up to the child to choose. Yeah, the child. And then you have to just, parents, you got to deal with that. They can still adopt. Unbelievable. The Florida legislature last year passed the Parental Rights in Education Act, which requires that classroom discussion of sexual matters be age appropriate and prohibits it altogether before fourth grade, which they call killing trans kids or whatever BS they scream at a wildly logic, logical and just point. 
yeah, maybe we shouldn't talk about sex with children. You know, maybe. I mean, my God. It's a good first step. Society needs to respect the role of parents and empower them to make decisions that are best for their families. For too long, we have put the needs of adults over children, like with COVID-19, right? When it comes to child care, education, and safety. And now, sexual ideology. There's a really, really obvious problem here. Now, there's, and in every way, there seems to be an unnerving focus on children. We just talked about this. Canada will start allowing people with mental illness to choose medically assisted death. I pointed this out when it came out. This came out on July 17th. I said, this is not new. For example, during COVID illusion, there were documented cases of do not resuscitate orders given to elderly people that were completely fit and living alone. Or literally people with disorders like dyslexia. We covered this in the show, remember? People that had a learning disability were given do not resuscitate orders. That's eugenics, guys. That is gross and on the surface. But I said also, does this include gender dysphoria? Huh. It is categorized as a mental disorder. Isn't that interesting? I thought that was an interesting way this might be going forward. Here's what I saw next. Dying with dignity. Mature minors. It's not a joke. With the appropriate safeguards in place, mature minors should be allowed the right to choose MAID, which is the medically assisted suicide direction in the UK. So now we're going, yeah, go ahead. You're a child. Go ahead. You want to take your own life? We'll we'll support that. Can't drive a car, though. Can't smoke a cigarette. But you can take a dangerous injection. You can change your sex, and you can kill yourself. Fantastic. All directions that seem to directly put you at risk. Isn't that interesting? So it seems like they're okay with taking these children's lives, but everything else? No, can't allow that. I mean, it's unnerving. And don't forget, we just saw this in 2017, I believe. Yeah, 2017. This is NBC. Science proves kids are bad for Earth. Morality, morality suggests we should stop having them. And now we're here. Interesting. Well, here's something I thought was really, really important to point out that I was talking about in the beginning. Jeff here points out that when RFK Jr. speculated, didn't really speculate, first of all, that environmental pollutants might play a role in rising gender confusion. Again, it's fact. Mainstream LGBT orgs denounced him, but a surprising number of academic queer theorists endorse this hypothesis. This is really interesting. You're not going to hear this in the corporate conversation. And accordingly, actually see endocrine-disrupting chemicals that can lead to gender dysphoria as a liberating force. Think about that. Now, this is, again, this is the kind of conversation that is light years ahead of where we're at right, right now. <laughs> Like this, this, every side's going to act like this is ridiculous and crazy. And how dare you, even the ones that see the problem. And then probably in a year or six months, this is going to flesh out somehow. And you, people, when it's, I'll, you know, this is my point about what we do for you. We are never afraid to step out on a limb and engage with the uncomfortable conversation that's important. Now, we've already been talking about this. Here's what's interesting this came out on July 18th. Are chemicals causing gender chaos? Well, Maybe he watched our show from June 11th. Are endocrine-disrupting chemicals causing gender dysphoria? Let's look at the evidence. Or maybe he caught our interview with Dr. McCullough on June 15th. Endocrine-disrupting chemicals, gender dysphoria, and the COVID injection. Or maybe the follow-up on June 21st. EDCs are not conspiracy theory. They are actually causing gender dysphoria. I hope so. Either way, I just want to continue to show you that we're, that we're ahead of this, as we tend to be. If you want to keep up on it, follow The Last American Vagabond, support this platform. But here's, book, here's his book, and you can check it out for yourself. 
He says, here is Ann Pollock on questioning endocrine disruption. Discourse of endocrine disruption in scientific and environmental literature has been exempl- has exemplified a sex panic. He says, this goes on to say, the supremacy bestowed in a different, oh, this is a, the toxic sexes perverting pollution and queering hormone disruption, says the supremacy bestowed to sexual difference, its ontological force, is outpaced not only by social or political movements, but also by metabolizing, pollu- metabolizing pollutants, xenotransplanting toxins, toxicants, and intravenous veins. This is from Plastic Matter, Heather Dav- Davis's book, 2022. Surveys and contributes up to this literature rather than responding with anxiety and reproduction. She says we should celebrate socially and ecologically the difference of these queer bodily formations. See my point? They're aware this is happening at some level. I know this already. I've proven to you that the government knows that and they're allowing it to happen. Well, this is different. This is from academic side, scientific side of people that are promoting the direction of transgender movement and as early as you know, a few years ago, 2019 and before, are kind of going good. Look at this. It's causing gay people. It's causing gender. Meanwhile, shouting down RFK Jr., calling, telling you Alex Jones is crazy for pointing out the... I mean, that's pretty interesting, right? He says, I discuss all this plus RFK, Alex Jones, and more of my latest. If you're not a subscriber, you can read it here, but you know, you got to pay for it. If you want to, it's right there. That's pretty damn interesting. Now, this is not new. We've already talked about this quite a lot. There's an obvious issue here. We've talked about... Actually, hold on. Before I forgot, I was going to lose it. Hold on. Shoot, there was something I was going to grab. Shoot, I just forgot. Anyway, in these very conversations, we get into the idea of this last point in regard to whether or not this is essentially being leaned into. Right, Whether or not this is something that is either being driven by some sort of agenda or whether there are individuals that are aware of this and arguing, well, it's, it's a, you know, you're basically a racist or a bigot for not wanting to have a, you know, let's put it this way, a, a child with a disorder, right? So you can argue it's, it's just a normal difference and, you know, they're just trans. Well, or, or you could say it's gender dysphoria or you could say it's a mental problem or you could say they have some kind of growth defect because they're talking about those things too, right? It's okay that I've got all these chemicals in my fake breastfeeding process. It's okay because if they have some kind of mental disorder, it just makes them better. That's what This is genuinely what people are arguing right now. Or if they have some kind of deformity. Well, why is that wrong, they say? Shouldn't we just love... Well, yes, parents, they should anyway, love their child regardless. But the idea being that we shouldn't strive or rather take action that we know might be dangerous and not care about the side effects because, well, that's just okay too. No, that is you... Sh- basically shrouding your selfishness under the guise that that the deformity you caused is somehow just as okay as everything else. I mean, it's, you're, you're putting that child at a deficit at the begin because you didn't want to stop taking your hormone treatments. I mean, it's it just gross at the core of this conversation. So I find that very interesting. Now, we're going to follow up more on this very topic, but I'm telling you, there's something to this. The answer is yes. As I said before, the evidence is undeniably clear that these things are absolutely or can lead to gender dysphoria. That's what the peer-reviewed science finds. You can read it for yourself. Whether or not that's being driven or pushed, another question. Well, also, we get into this point here where we talk about the fact that we're, it's COVID-19 injections, it's glyphosate, it's dioxin, it's PFAS. Every one of these things are endocrine-disrupting chemicals. It's weird how they're all the things that we're not really supposed to talk about and all the things that are aggressively increasing. Hard to see that as an agenda, right? 
In any case, here's a small example of something. Now, I'm not trying to this, you know, look, if I had to just guess, this woman does not strike me as somebody who's doing this for nefarious reasons. But I, it's just an example I caught, and I thought it was interesting to show you that whether it's societal pressure, whether it is because of, you know, what the corporate media and the, and the, and the agendas in the world tell you you're supposed to want, or whether she's a gay person and wants to have a gay child, who knows? But this exists. And if you're going to pretend like this does not have influence on what that child thinks, especially when you, when you compound that with the teachers telling them you can choose and everything's okay and there's no, everything's reversible and don't think about it, well, you know that's having an effect. Here's what she's doing. Hey, baby. It's a gay baby. Gay baby. Gay, gay, gay. Please be gay. <laughs> oh. Okay. Be what you want to be. Be what you want to be, but be gay, okay? Be what you want to be, but be gay, okay? Thank you. <laughs> right? No pressure. No pressure. No pressure, but pressure. No pressure, but pressure. I mean, it's, I mean, you could, it's obvious she could just be kind of kidding, however you want to take it. My point, though, is that she's making it very clear she does want that. And that's going to influence her choices which will then influence the baby's choices, whether you think so or not. It's pretty, I mean, I'm telling you guys, that is everywhere in these discussions. Now, here's something that Orwell sent me that's really unnerving. This is from two days ago on D-Trans Reddit, which, by the way, you should read through. It's horrifying. It's just amazing how many people out there are not, it's just like, this is the new COVID vaccine, you know, uh, injury. Not that that's even old, but people right now are still struggling through these vaccine injuries. It's just obscene that nobody talks about that. And finally, they're calling it long vax because long COVID has always been a lie. But that, we talked about that in the last show. But the fact that these people, there's so many of these kids that are out there going, I made a mistake and nobody wants to hear it because there's something wrong. This is on D-Trans on Reddit. I directly blame these websites for leading me to transition, among other things. I find it really harmful to think that wanting to be something means that you are that thing, which is what they're telling them. As a teenager, I truly thought since I wanted to be male, that I was male, through and through. The point is, read further, she was wrong, and it ruined her life. Here are the websites that you can find. This is called turnmeintoagirl.com. What's weird, by the way, if you look at the tabs, it's, the girl one has the map flag, and then this one has just a circle, which is the boy one. I don't know. It's weird. I'm just pointing the differences. They're different in, in, the, in the actual post as well. But here's what it says. You could totally be a girl if you wanted. No, not really. Not in actuality and not without lots and lots and lots of danger and problems that they don't get into at all in this discussion. But it basically just says, so you want to be a girl? Well, you're uncomfortable with the way you are? Well, you're probably a girl. And just press this button to get started. Like, it's just driving you into this. And everything you read. But I don't feel like a woman. It's okay. You might actually be, though, anyway. That's kind of the whole thing. It feels very pushed. But I'm too old to be a woman. No, but he's too old to be. Like, what do you mean? Why are you framing this as, here's this person trying to tell you that they're not. And you go, but no, you actually are. That's this whole thing is like that. And what do you think that's going to do to an impressionable child that may be even on the edge? Now, if you go to the end, you'll find all these sources about on gender dysphoria, where they kind of downplay the whole thing, like I keep telling you, that it's like, well, maybe, maybe not. And the point is, if you, you, there is zero way to get any kind of treatment at all without writing down gender dysphoria from a doctor. 
but yet they all tell you, nope, you don't need that. You can just choose tomorrow. And it's all reversible, except it's not. Infertility and everything else. That alone should be enough to stop this whole conversation. But the point is, they have this whole section down here on links to more, on being trans and gender dysphoria and all this different stuff. But then you go to the men's one, or turn me into a guy, so arguably the woman's one, you don't find any of that down there. I just think that's weird. I don't know what that means, but shouldn't they be the exact same thing? Same conversation, gender dysphoria, whatever else. But the point is that this person's going, look, I, I read these websites, and they basically just carefully walked me through why I'm wrong and that I'm actually this. And that ruined her life. These people should be accountable for this. This is not okay. Now, here is Ollie London pointing out that in California, Governor Newsom, Governor, <laughs> Governor Gavin Newsom has now fined a school $1.5 million. Why? Well, because they rejected the teaching of this gender ideology. You know, just like everyone's beginning to realize is, you know, lacking evidence and pretty dangerous. But in California land, he's suing, he's fining you millions of dollars if you don't push this ideology on children, which is why people seem to be fleeing the country or the state. But the crazy part about this is that this is, the, the, the what's being taught is the one of the largest issues with most parents, the, the, the books that they're being shown. So this is what we're seeing is Gavin Newsom, whether he knows or not, which I believe he does, just he's tripling down on this. As everything begins to change, as places in the EU, they saw the Tavistock Institute just get shut down, right? Or I think one of them. The point is ultimately that these things are changing rapidly right now. And just as usual, when the U.S., they go further. Temecula County School Board unanimously voted to reject the curriculum, but they don't care about that, right? The school board's even... So this is what the illusion that this is being guided by anything other than politics and government. Here's a school board that votes against it. They, well, if they find them and make them do it anyway. They, it's a book that refers to LGBT activists in his 30s having sexual relationships with a teenager. So not only is this promoting sexual identity and sexual conversations with kids, it's promoting pedophilia or whatever the term would be for a teenage person, a minor at the very least, because pedo typically means, I think, the younger ones, I think, pre-pubescent. There is another term which is in the same category. It's still disgusting sexual predator. But the point is, that's okay for them, apparently. How do you make sense of that without thinking that there's some kind of an agenda, without realizing that they're passing laws that make these things more easily obscured, or passing laws that allow that to happen between certain age groups, or passing laws, or leaning into the UN or WHO documents that allow children to consent to sex. These are real things. And here is an elementary school teacher, right, clearly being spurred on, you know, giving getting courage from things just like this or from what Trudeau is doing in Canada, because this is in Canada, True North Post this, an elementary school teacher speaking to Muslim students because they skipped the, the Pride Day. Here's what she said to them. These are children, guys. Elementary school children, this is how she talk, talked to them because they chose, because they were allowed to opt out, to not go to a voluntary Pride Day. Let me, let me ask you this in general. Why is any of this ever, ever about her feelings? Right? Maybe that's a hard point for some people in this new age world to grasp. Why do we care about your feelings? Aren't you supposed to be teaching children about life and school and education? Right? 
your feelings don't play a factor. Now, we, we've gotten to this new world, this time frame where, you know, teachers are, it's, you know, molding them into, it's not, you know, look, there's an overlap. Always is. I mean, like my football coach growing up used to talk about how it's not just about football. It's about teaching them how to be, you know, men and, and, you know, and be good, honest men in life. Right. But there wasn't half the time of our football teacher walking us through and talking to us about sexual identity. Right. The point is that that was about more so trying to insert life lessons where it applied, but within the curriculum of football. Right. So the teacher is not supposed to be guiding off into these diatribes about how, you know, life is supposed to engage. You're supposed to be teaching them how to do math, geography, science. The idea of how they're supposed to think and feel, that's the parent's job. But yet today we just kind of relinquish that. I think that's an important point to make, but you know, there are people that will think that's crazy. Of course the teacher's supposed to teach them. No, in some level, yes, but not to the point to where she's like, let me tell you about my feelings. Here's how I feel today. I feel like you're a piece of shit. <laughs> that's where this is going right now. Thanks for your feelings, adult, screaming at elementary school children. Here's what she says. How many of you came to school yesterday? Thank you. And even right there, so what she effectively just did was make them... She made everybody, who didn't come? Now, everybody look at the ones that are bad people. That's what she's doing. You are a petty, selfish, disgusting person. These are children. We as a staff here at Northwood were incredibly hurt. Hurt. By the statement you made yesterday, for those of you who didn't come, and for those of you who were here, I apologize. So she apologizes to the other students on behalf of the kids that didn't go. This is emotional blackmail. Like you are literally this. If it, if, if I mean, this is why parents are so outraged about this. How dare you speak to children like this at a time when you're only like you're you? They are choosing not to be a part of something that they disagree with. So all you're really doing is emotionally manipulating children because you don't like that they made their own choice. That says a lot. You need to understand how hurt and disappointed we are in those actions. And take that home to your parents because they're the ones who made you stay home. Okay, so you're going to go and acknowledge that they didn't even have a say in this. They're elementary kids. So their parents decided. And you're going to sit there and lecture them in front of the other students and make them feel bad about themselves just so they can relay that upsetting moment to the parents in hopes that the parents that these people shouldn't be teachers, guys. This is gross. I don't care what the topic is. You could make this about literally anything. What this teacher's doing is reprehensible. You are emotionally manipulating children that are going to remember this. And you're probably going to drive them into doing whatever you say tomorrow because they're scared about being seen as the bad one, the one that doesn't agree with or supposed to all think. It's just so sad what you're doing to these kids. It was an incredible show of hatred. Hatred. Now you're, you're yelling at these kids and telling them you showed incredible hatred because your parents didn't want you to go to an indoctrination center at the school that they had no part in. These kids are probably crying as the rest of the kids look at them like they're absolute villains for something their parents asked them to do. 
And how do you know it's hatred? Can't they just disagree? Well, no, not in this conversation. You either think what we think or you're disgusting. That, that, that's tolerance, right? And it is sad. It is. I hope this woman gets fired. It was hatred. Jeez. Towards a community of people. And it was incredibly disgusting. And she's still going. Right. So all I had to say was, I'm disappointed you didn't go and I wish you would have been there. Even that I would have a problem with the way that she did this. Now she said hatred twice, disgusting three times, I thought it was twice. Just continue going. And it was disgusting and you were full of hatred and you shouldn't have been there. Like, I mean, this again, I, I, this woman should be fired. And if it wasn't in, like, let's put it this way. If this was about some kind of extracurricular church activity, she would be fired for this. Doesn't that make sense? What it shows you is there is an obvious political agenda in the schools about this topic. To have witnessed. I do not want to be a part of this school. Wow. I am so disgusted Four what times. happened yesterday. And I'm sorry to those who... Apologizing for the second time to the other students. We're, we're here. I mean, it just, it just keeps going, guys. I'm not going to waste any more of your time. This woman is despicable. Like, she's relentless, right? She just keeps going. She's standing there looking at those kids and going, disgusting, hatred. You should be ashamed of yourselves. Like, these are elementary school kids that didn't even make this choice. God, I just, I, this is the kind of person that is teaching children today. How do you, th- I mean, how is this even possible? Well, here's another example. Right? Imagine this is the same woman because it's probably the same mindset. Here is a person speaking at the Florida State Board of Education meeting. Sign. Waves in opposition. Pre. Followed by Max Finney. Hi, I'm Pre, and I'm society's worst nightmare. I use they them pronouns, I'm a Satanist, and I'm an educator. I'm not talking to you. You guys look at your phones, cross your arms, make your faces at us. I'm talking to the people here who actually care about the future of our generations. Kids in my neighborhood come to me, knock on my door, and ask me to go outside and play with them. They- now, it doesn't have to be something weird. But let's recap. So you are very aggressive. You are a Satanist, a teacher, and are talking about children not during school coming to your door and going out and playing with them. Would that be okay for any other teacher? Like, Really, explain this for me. How exactly is it okay for a teacher to be going out and playing with their students in off hours at their home? I just can't, this is so crazy, this whole thing has completely skewed and blurred all these lines. Before all of this, these things were just, at the very least, inappropriate, right? Imagine this was a, a, a man and some young girl. That wouldn't be, they, that would, right now, the guy would be arrested. Unless, of course, they were some kind of trans part of the conversation, then apparently it is okay. Because that's why this, this clearly doesn't make sense. There's, these are lines being crossed. 
and she and, and a Satanist that makes it all the all that makes sense, right? Because we want Satanists teaching our children, right? They know I'm gay. They used it as a slur word, and I asked them what was wrong with it. They took a moment and thought, and they said nothing. And then they said, "Stop being annoying." And it was as easy as that. You can change. I don't even know. I don't. I'm, I actually thought listened to that three times. I'm, I'm confused. I don't think that makes sense. <laughs> I just don't even understand what she tried to say right there, that they said you were gay and they said no, and then they were wrong. And I don't know. It didn't really make sense to me. I tried to think about it. All your rules. Kids in my neighborhood come to me, knock on my door and ask me to go outside and play with them. They know I'm gay. They used it as a slur word. And I asked them what was wrong with it. They took a moment and thought and they said nothing. And then they said, stop being annoying. And it was as easy as that. You can change all your rules and try to prevent us from being in school. No, I like to stop it. I like to stop it and make points when it's important, you know, because that's what we're here for, right? She also has a little tail sticking out the back of her clothes, which I think is interesting. And they said nothing. And they said stop being annoying. And it was as easy as that. You can change all your rules and try to prevent us from being in school, but people like me will always be here to educate them. I am here, and there will always be evidence of us. Back in cave drawings in Italy, there is homosexuals on cave drawings from there. You will never erase us and we'll always be educating people. Well, I don't think most anybody is trying to erase anybody in this conversation. Now, there's always people out there trying to do that. Sure. Somebody out there that wants to erase black people or erase anybody. There's certainly somebody out there that's racist and disgusting. The point is that to say that this bill about stopping children from being indoctrinated with sexual concepts is about erasing anybody is an absolute. It shows how some of these people are wildly mentally unstable. If you can think those things connect, I don't know what you're looking at. But what's crazy, I'll always be here to teach children. It just it's it's kind of it's unhinged and it's uncomfortable. Why this makes sense? Like beyond me. A parent should be sitting there going, I don't want that person near my children. You seem wildly unhinged. You seem aggressive. And you are playing with children off hours as a teacher and a Satanist. Like, it just, it's, it's almost as if you're trying to put forward this caricature, which is what a lot of this seems like to me. But so these are the school, there's some level of the school uh, engagement with children. Also, what was interesting is when somebody tried to stand up and speak in opposition to this. They paused the entire thing. The professional tried to call out gender dysphoria, and they, well, they paused the whole thing. That's <laughs> how that works. But here's another person speaking up at one of these hearings. Matt Woodside is a teacher himself who points out the obvious, that we should not be teaching sexual identity or any gender identity to children that are four years old, which is what's happening in many cases. Matthew Woodside, and I've been an educator for Brevard uh, County Public Schools for the last 17 years. As educators, it's our responsibility to help our students reach their highest potential, preparing them for success in the real world by teaching them subjects that have been beneficial to student development since before there were even places called schools. Reading and writing, math and science, history, art and music, physical education. But unfortunately, across our state and nation, we have many educators who have traded in that role as educator and chosen to be activists instead, who see it as their role to be surrogate parents using their platform to push their views of sexuality on the youngest among us, molding young minds in their image, disregarding parental rights and wishes, and yes, all the way down to pre-K. How on earth could one find it appropriate to discuss gender identity and sexual orientation with a class of four-year-olds? These, pl these people have no places in our school. It's time we let kids be kids by ensuring schools remain what they were meant to be in the first place, places of education, not indoctrination. Please vote yes. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Woodside.
Good morning. My name is Matthew Woods. Isn't it interesting and telling that people would boo after that? Now, obviously, you could argue that they think that he is saying things, but here's what he really wink wink actually means. He hates that he wants to erase trans people and he wants to hate trans people and he wants to remove their rights and human rights. Whatever their whatever film is playing in their mind when they look at all this, whatever illusion they're replaying. What he said was, let's not sexually indoctrinate children. They're like, boo. (laughs) I mean, it's 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 I mean, it's a classical idea of the two party illusion, right, where. They're over here screaming against something, but it's not actually what, what he's saying. It's what they believe he means, and it's the same thing in reverse. <laughs> it's just what the two-party illusion does. It breaks logic. But my God, four-year-olds. I mean, this is why even the Wall Street Journal is beginning to say this is not appropriate, and because, because it's not, guys. Now, Roseanne Barr made a really, really great point the other day. I, I, this, is the same, this is a great example or alter, equivalent you know, comparison. She says, I'm going to dress up in man drag and tell Bible stories to school kids. What do you think about that trans community? Would you be okay with Roseanne Barr dressing up as a man and reading Bible stories to kids? I can promise you that they wouldn't be okay with that. One, because Roseanne Barr is a Nazi and white supremacist, whatever right-wing thing they perceive, for some of them, I should say. But on top of that, that they would think it's inappropriate. And quite frankly, we should think it's inappropriate to read Bible stories in school. That's something they can do at home or in church or with their parents. You see the point? But you see, the problem is that both, both Democrats in, in Congress and everyone, they would say nuts, not appropriate. But somehow it is appropriate to read sexual, graphically sexual books to children in drag. I mean, we have to start recognizing how absurd this all is. And it's not about removing rights or being hating any one group of people. It's about children and sexual content. And that's the point we've been making from the beginning. But she makes an excellent point. I've even, I'd love to see her try and do that. Because, quite frankly, it's a lot safer in every possible way. You're not for in, making kids infertile. You're not potentially acting sexually towards them. I mean, there's all sorts of things that are not. The point is, it's a, it's a woman just as a man reading Bible stories. I'd love to see it happen because it, it's, it would prove the point. Because it would spin out of control. I think she should do it. Well, Children's Hospital in Colorado stops providing gender-affirming surgery. Now, apparently they had never done it for kids in this hospital, so they say, but they've now officially stopped for anybody. And this is what I keep pointing out. It is continuing to go in this direction now. Why? Well, shocking. There's no evidence to show it's safe. Gee, why didn't that stop you to begin with? Profit. Politics. There's now one fewer place for young transgender people to get certain types of care, and the change is a win for people who want to threaten them. (laughs) What? Who want to threaten them? So think about this kind of framing. This is what I, this is just like the community saying. So by not allowing you to take an action that could that will harm you, based on all the evidence we're showing you, based on their statements, by not allowing that, we're threatening you. Now you could argue maybe ideologically, like we're threatening what how you perceive yourself or what you want to be outwardly seen as. But how is that a threat? Well, because they argue without this, they're going to kill themselves. But that's not backed up by the science. It's quite the opposite, in fact. But again, it's not about science. It's about narrative. The point, though, is it says the hospital's never been, has said gender-affirming care has led to threats at our children's hospital nationwide. Of course, trying to frame it as we're doing this because what we don't want to, it's because we're being threatened. That's not what's happening. They're trying, in the same breath, they're trying to blame the people, the threatening trans community 
but they're also covering their own ass because they're not going to do this anymore because they're getting sued for it, which is what's happening. But it says now it's no longer providing gender affirming surgery for people over 18. They'd never done it for kids. So it's, they're stopping in general. That this is the reality breaking through. Thank God. But it's too late for a lot of people. Now, July 20th, Fox did an interview, put this out with um, Prisha Mosley. I've reached out for, for an interview. We're finalizing the date right now. Uh, I reached out to her about a week ago, I think, and we're going to connect coming up pretty soon. And she is somebody who has detransitioned and is speaking out about the problem and what she went through. And it says here, I began gender transition at 16, which that should not be even legal. Any of none of it really, but this especially. I was lied to in a terrible way. Now I'm seeking justice. Good for her. It takes a lot of courage to speak out. So we'll be talking to her soon. This one is uh, Oli London points out that YouTube sent this is the same story. YouTube, after she posts her story, censors it, removes the video from the platform. Apparently, you know, when you have a mental disorder, fixing your body, changing your body isn't the answer. That liposuction is not a treatment for anorexia, but surgery is a treatment for gender dysphoria. It's, you know, it's a great point, right? Because, see, the argument is that they have gender dysphoria and we're treating it. Because that, I keep, this is an important point that so few people want to point out. That is a, there is a grand canyon between that and what the community is saying. They're, they're pushing back saying, don't call us disorder. We don't have a disorder. We could pick and choose tomorrow and change our mind the next day and everything's okay. And they're just completely delusional. It's not what's going on. But she's right, though. If we're talking about it like that, well, there's no other disorder you treat with medical invasive kinetic surgery. It's just not how that works. But they censor her for pointing out the facts, which you can prove are the facts. Why? Because YouTube is completely invert. It's, it's just imploding right now. I mean, YouTube has been destroying itself for a long time to censor people. But what's really hilarious is how it's just, I mean, you know, Twitter's become the kind of the focal point of the conversation, but YouTube's back there just grow worse than ever, <laughs> censoring everything all over the place for no reason because narrative. That's it. I mean, they're basically on the surface at this point, censoring narrative. That's all they're doing. They have their terms of service, but it just, they don't apply it. They just they say send misinformation or whatever. That's it. What she's saying is verifiable, like everything else we get censored for on YouTube, but that's the point. So they're censoring her because she's telling the truth. Here's another interesting point as Twitter also plays their part. I had to reach out to her because I said, hey, I was going to DM you to see if you wanted to join me for an interview, but this is what Twitter showed me. Oh, you're no longer allowed to send message. Well, I never had before, the first time. And we, and the point wasn't about following or not. The point was that we just, I wasn't allowed to. And luckily, she sent one to me, and so now we can connect. But before that, we were following, and it should have happened, but weirdly enough, it just said, nope, you're not allowed to. You can no longer send them. Hmm, interesting. But I said, uh, basically, so first, I was interested in having you on. Oh, just, well, that's, I just said, basically, I want to have you on, and let me know what's going on. And we're going to be connecting soon. Now, we just, we were, we've been talking a lot today about the gender dysphoria contradiction. So if you want to see that part, please check this out. It's important. But... The other part about it, we talked pretty, pretty, for a long time about the are sexual predators using the trans movement. And it's, it's an undeniable yes. Resoundingly yes. It's overwhelming how many examples we have. And it doesn't have to mean at all that every trans person or any trans person is a predator. 
The overlap, I think, is very clear, though, when you look in the stats. Over 50% of trans people in prisons are sexual predators or violent... Pre- uh, no, I think it was actually much higher were violent, but over 50% were sexual predators. And again, you could argue that doesn't translate, but the point is the evidence is there that at the very least, people who are sexual predators are using this movement to get closer to their prey. And nobody in this community seems to care about that. Here's an example. Rep- this is Representative Solwell, Eric Solwell, you could, who is now seen. This was, let me see. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's I, I was confusing him. This, so this is Beto O'Rourke. And then here's Solwell, both of which campaigned for Stacey Lawton, this person, who is the was the nation's first transgender or is still the first elected representative who is now no longer a representative who was arrested for child porn and child exploitation. It's a very easy story to look up. Worth noting that Stacey has a long, we've already covered this, by the way, a long criminal record dating back long before the campaign. So it's interesting that Beto O'Rourke and Stalwell didn't care about the criminal record that involves sexual exploitation. But, you know, big deal, because trans, it's okay now. That's happening. We talked about this. And in fact, this was one that I wasn't going to grab, but I'm going to include it since I thought about it. Both these, actually. Here is the telegraph. Male sex offenders are faking trans identity to move to women's prisons. Which applies outside of prison too, guys. It's happening. We're seeing people who are simply using this, like with the military or otherwise, to get advantages or to get closer to people they want to abuse. Even the corporate media is finding the courage to talk about it. Here was even Snopes. Did a convicted sex offender read to children at a public library? True. Yes. This person was a convicted of sexually assaulting a boy in 2006, but played part in drag queen story time. Even Snopes can point that out. Here is this same, this person, transformer, new, new, new Hampshire lawmaker faces federal charges. Now we covered this when the chart, when it was, he was arrested. I, I think it's a, this transgender person. I forget which way it goes. I can't tell whether it was a man that became a woman or a man. The point though, now is charged for using daycare connections to generate child exploitation images. So maybe you guys want to come on the record here, Beto O'Rourke and and Stalwell, and explain why you didn't care that you were promoting a sexual predator to be part of Congress, or, excuse me, part of a representative. But the point is, this is not unique. Here is somebody who is still very prominent in this community, who actively speaks on their social media accounts about removing contact with their parents and having private communications with this person where they can't see. Now, sure, you could argue maybe there, there maybe there's no problem there. I find it hard to believe. And as parents and, and good Samaritans, aren't we supposed to care when we see something that seems uncomfortable and something that seems wrong? That's a red flag to me. Say something, right? Jeffrey Marsh recommends that kids cut off contact with their parents and also say that if their parents are upset about being cut off, then it's just more proof that they should be. This is classic groomer manipulation. This man is an evil scumbag. Now, this is Matt Walsh's opinion, but I I agree with the way he presents himself completely. This is a man pretending to be a woman who is actively trying to, and has worked his way into a pretty high position with with the community. If you are attempting to figure out if you want to go no contact, 
Let me give you a tip. Go no contact first before you figured it out. If you tell you that means remove no longer contacting your parents. No calls, no face to face, just go no contact. You're done with your parents. Your mother, for example, you're going to go no contact and she makes it all about her. She says, what the fuck does that mean? She, uh, st- yeah, because how dare your parents be outraged that you're actually discussing never talking to them again. Steamrolls over your experience or your emotions. She makes it all about her. Here's another video. This just goes on the same point. Trying to convince them to have private chats with him. It's all over his discussions and remove contact with their parents. Even discussions about where they can go after that. Right? They have these, what do they call them, glitter homes or whatever, where there's a bunch of trans people living together. I mean, it's, it's, this is getting wildly out of, it was out of control when it started. Here's another video in the same vein. Free. And I am not a danger to children. I am a danger to parents, though. Now, this video, even though, he's, you know, this was done by Scott Nugent, who was one of these detransitioners speaking out. I'm going to be your family. I love you so much. Do you know what I love about you? You care so much. Your sensitivity is so beautiful. I act unconditional love, kindness, relationships as soon as you can. Get out of those relationships as soon as you can. As quickly as you can. Join me in Patreon. Now, what, that, what they're talking about there is private chats and patreon that's what the he goes off about how he set this up just to be able to have private communications on patreon with these people when you start thinking about going no contact i want to encourage you and say something you may not have heard before you're going to love it i know right now all you have is a world feel this thing in your chest and in your st- all the stuff that culture tells that question and so i wanted to just tell you sometimes human beings are more than boy or girl if you see a kid like me or an adult like me would you be extra nice going no contact (laughs) you're semi 25 percent of the way being a person who goes no contact is nothing compared to the daily pain you've been in from being in relationship with these folks your parents no contact let me sorry if that upsets you your parents screwed up it's okay to say so (laughs) that's why i made a patreon so that we could talk about it so that we could connect in a way that has more privacy so that we could talk to each other in a way that's uh, more open and stuff that we wouldn't share like in the comments of a video. You're very mature for your age. It's okay to have God, it's just uncomfortable. At one point, this was obvious, right? Now, it doesn't matter what you think, what the intentions may be, it matters, but whether attention aside, whether or not there was a predator there, that was obvious. That was a problem, a red flag. You don't let your kids go around that person, but not today. Say there's Scott Nugent point the same. Stop worrying about hurting an adult's feelings while throwing kids under the bus. You don't have to be mean, but adult better, right? 
stand up for these children that are being targeted by these people. And just to show you another point, I'm not going to play the video, but here, this is another, Laura Becker's another detransitioner speaking out. This is a video of a trans person singing about how if you don't like trans women as a lesbian, then you're transphobe. See that? So I thought you were respecting people's identity. If they only like certain things, isn't that the whole point of what your community's about? Like, what if I only like certain, you know, like if I only like women? No, no. See, they are only allowing you to think with things that are okay within their construct. Right? Isn't it funny how they're like, yes, that's a construct. But then you have to engage in only what they think is happening. I mean, it's just, it's like anything else that's tapped into the two-party illusion. People are being manipulated. How in the world are you going to go from LGBTQ to now they're literally going, everybody else is transphobic. Everybody. (laughs) <laughs> you're not gay you're not you're not you're not gay or lesbian you're just transphobic that's what's actually being stated by a leading group within this or many of them within this movement now here's one that's actually pretty shocking now i was going to say this earlier and i forgot like here's a, we're going to get in this video right now this is pretty crazy this is a, a a trans person in a bank that is freaking out because they misgendered this person and quite literally goes on to call this black guy the N-word because he says the wrong name. Now, work that one out for yourself. How's that going to play in the community? Is that okay? You're allowed to be racist now because somebody says the wrong name? How does that even make sense? Well, obviously not. But the point is interesting, right? Now, what I was going to say is that like with the Jamie Foxx discussion or this, like if I wanted to just make a video and just abuse the social commentary and make lots of reach and gets lots of fun. Well, I could make a video that says trans person calls black guy, the N word, you know, that would go crazy, but I don't because that's not the most important point today, but somebody will, and it'll probably get lots of views, lots of, lots of donations and whatever else. But just wanted to point out that, you know, we do this for the right reasons (laughs) with integrity as always, but this video is kind of crazy. So just, uh, you know, earmuffs, by the way, for people listening, or children and so on. So this, this, the, you'll see this person going to the bank and then they just she freaks out or he, I think it's a, a girl that's becoming a guy. I, I can't tell anymore. So I don't know. I, I'm trying, what I'm trying to do is effectively call them what I think they are at this point, but I don't even know, but insult this person with a racial slur. I just think it's very interesting how to, I mean, I'm not even sure how to get into this conversation like in like how to frame it. Not like, because I'm trying to you know worry about insulting somebody, but just how do you frame this exactly? Right. Is it, is it, okay because they're trans now in this world where everything is against the trans community like are we just moving past the black lives matter discussion like now they're transphobes if they don't do it's just everything's in consuming itself it, it, it's very interesting so at this point they're they're calling the police because this person's already freaked out so she says you under do you understand gender you f word and what's it's just crazy the way that people like so the person could have just as easily not known but the point is that these people are unhinged and that i don't mean literally every trans person i'm saying the people that are acting like this are unhinged you are clearly mentally unstable if it takes the accidental word that you don't like to freak out on somebody which why is that even societally acceptable why is your word more important than just everything else going on? That's childish and selfish. Yeah, call them police on gender normativity. Thank you, Craig. Are you manager? Obviously not. You lied about that. 
Lie, lie, lie. Across the leaves. I'm fucking sick! So all, all that's happened is misgendering. Now, you can argue it was on purpose. Quite frankly, I don't care. Not, I mean, at one point, I mean, at, at any point, I'm, like I've always said, I'm always about respect. They quorum. Just because, because I want to be that way. But when it comes to this level, I don't care anymore. And you've seen that already. Like if you're, if it's a point where you're demanding, that I'm like, absolutely not. I will go a hundred thousand miles in the other direction if you make it like this. But so that's all that's happened, whether intentional or not. Somebody may use the wrong pronoun, and this is actually what ends up happening. So at this point, they're already trying to call the police, and this person loses it. Now the volume's as high as it goes. I apologize, but she she starts screaming. You can hear it. What is what is your gender? Okay, here's what I find. Sorry, I mean, I didn't plan to stop it again. I'm going to let it play after this entirely, but I want to say one more thing. What this person does is after they then say, sir, she then goes on to misgender these people. Right? She does. She goes, okay, hey, lady. Hey, lady, you're a sexy lady. Okay, so now it's okay to misgender people as long as you feel insulted? And not, everything about this is not only like bare, like bottom level, ridiculous, childish, but it's also double standards, hypocrisy. So it's only it's okay when you think it's okay, but when we do it, no matter what, it's not okay. That's like foreign policy of the U.S. government, right? It's weird how it works. That is my man. Would you like? Hey, just call police. I'm calling. We are not calling them. Leave, leave. So, what is what is your gender? Hey, lady, you sexy lady. Where that butt going, fucking shitty lady? Come here, little girl. I'm gonna shit all that little girl, fucking whore. And call and calls him a whore, right? Why? Because we said, ma'am. So that's that's reciprocal, right? That's that's e- equivalent. You whore, you sexy whore. Like this person's unhinged. Shit! And just assaulted me too. And just assaulted hey, me too. Um, you already saw you, bitch! You already saw you, fuck you, bitch, nigga! Fucking shitter. You got shitter. You got salty right now. You got salty right now. You got salty right now. This is a toddler. That's a toddler. A toddler that has been allowed to think that's acceptable. Throwing a tantrum. Right, and people say in the chat saying roid rage. I mean, that's, that's, if you're pumping yourself full of testosterone, that's what's going to happen. With what, three backpacks? Yeah, this person's very sane. And now, if you cared to look at all the comments and whatever, I mean, the, the, the community is all about how inappropriate everybody else was but her, right? How dare they not ask your pronouns? Everything else was justified. Look at it. I'm not making that up. We just talked about 
this part of it as well. The autogynephilia fetish. Now, there's a very important part of this that I think is, that it, it's just not discussed. People are afraid to talk about it. Now, we talked about Jordan Peterson had a clip about this. There's a lot of more. There's, there's research that makes this very clear. We've already gone over it. Check the show out for yourself. The point is it's ultimately about basically the argument is that you dress up like something that you're sexually attracted to. So men, it's usually straight men that dress up like women, right? Because if there's the, they're essentially sexually attracted to like the feminine part of this and they want to see themselves as it. But as Jordan Peterson points out, well, if you're dressing up like a young little infant child, you're sent potentially sexually attracted to children, things like that. That's what this is. Autogynephilia. We talked about this with the breast, the chest feeding discussion, right? Where we showed you that woman, the, the man that's pretending to be a woman that was out there breastfeeding or chest feeding, which is completely disgusting because we've already shown you that there are, the nutritional value is not the same, that there are all the hormones and chemicals and things that are being used to make that happen are being passed to the baby, which can literally cause death. But that's all not important because it made that person feel like a woman. And that's what the science actually said, if you can believe that. Not, which I wouldn't call it science if that's what it is. It's just basically a, a paragraph, a statement written about how this all made her feel better, him feel better. But the point was, as Riley Gaines pointed out, when you went through the personal information on the social, profi- the social media profile, turns out this person had an obvious kink, which was about nipple clamps. And then you start to realize, oh, okay, so this is likely more about the accessory of using this child at the expense of the child, which makes it, dang- you know, it, it potentially hurt it for your accessory. Now, that may insult some people. Sorry. This is a real conversation about real things that exist that is to some degree happening and that nobody wants to talk about. So here's an example. This is uh, Genevieve Gluck pointing this out. Now, we just talked about Joyce, uh, jo- um, uh, Helen Joyce and a great clip she just did about how, you know, basically the parents are going to double, triple down for the rest of their lives because they don't want to admit they made a mistake, just like with the COVID injection. But it says what attracts them and excites them sexually is the idea of themselves as a woman. Now, I, I would argue you can't say this is every one of them. I just because I don't I would argue not every one of these people have autogonophilia, especially when it goes the other direction. But, you know, it may it's certainly possible. But it says it's, all, it's almost as if they're in love with the woman version of themselves. But it says, but what's so unusual and destructive about the sexual desire and urge is that it requires everybody else to play along. That parts of the, that that's part of the fantasy. Very interesting. So listen to what she says. And I'll play this clip next, actually. It's right here, which I find really telling. Spends a lot of time talking about Ray Blanchard, who is a sexologist who coined this terminology. And it's an important term to understand because according to your book, looking at, uh, th- that, at Blanchard's reporting, as many as 82% of straight trans people, like men who claim they're women, who are not gay, are in fact autogynephiles. So can you explain what that is? Sure. And I'm going to say before I start, though, that I don't care what a man's motivation for coming into women's spaces is. He's not welcome. I don't care if he's very sincere. I don't care if he's not a pervert. I don't care if he's gay or straight. It's a women's space. He is not welcome. As they say, good men Amen. keep out so that we can give everybody else out. We don't, I don't yes. allow my husband. I don't allow my sons into women's spaces and I expect them to respect women's boundaries. That said, there are different motivations for thinking that you are a member of the opposite sex, both for men and for women. 
And among men, the two common presentations are one, that they were very, very effeminate or feminine, or to use the pejorative term, sissy little boys. And the world, maybe their own family, gave them the strong impression that this was not okay, and that a little boy who's like them has something wrong with him and is a girl, really. Um, Now, that kid, if he's supported and nobody lies to him about what's possible, will grow up to understand that he's a gay man and hopefully, you know, be a happy, healthy, fully functioning gay man in adulthood. Unfortunately, we're transing those kids now, so we are taking away their futures from them. But the other group are straight men who have an unusual, um, whether you think of it as a sexual orientation or a sexual fetish will depend on how you think sex works. But what attracts them and excites them sexually is the idea of themselves as women. That's, that's their, that's their fantasy. And it's almost as if they're in love with the woman version of themselves. And that's where all these phrases like, I have a woman inside. I am really a woman inside, um, come from. And it's on a spectrum with erotic cross-dressing, which is a common male sexual interest. Lots of straight men do dress up as women and find it sexy. So some of these men become more and more and more uh, bought into this fantasy to the extent that as they get older, it becomes impossible or they think it's impossible to live without acting out that fantasy. And they don't want to just keep the fantasy woman to their bedroom or to their, you know, going away on cross-dressing weekends with other men or whatever it is or sharing pictures on some cross-dressing website. And now, of course, they can go and say, I'm really a woman. And I actually think that a lot of them think they are really women. Like they've been fantasizing about this woman for so long that she feels very real to them. And now, of course, they're stunning and brave. They're the best women. But what is so unusual and destructive about this sexual desire and urge is that it requires everybody else to play along. That's part of the fantasy. And that's not true of sexual desires in general. Like, you know, I'm a heterosexual woman. I don't need other people to validate that as long as my own husband agrees with me that I'm a heterosexual (laughs) woman and we stay together. You know, that's it. The rest of the world doesn't have to play along with anything for that. But if you're a man whose deepest sexual desire is that he is really a woman, then that man requires everybody, specifically women, to agree with him. And he doesn't just want to cross-dress. He wants to come into women-only spaces because he wants to be in the place where his womanhood is validated. So that doesn't just mean that he wants to use the women's toilets and the women's changing rooms and so on because that's convenient. It means he wants to use them for validation. He goes into them specifically. So all these men, they go and they join menopause support groups on Facebook. They join women-only swim sessions when actually there's a mixed-sex session as well. You know, they do all these things that only women can do because that's the thing that they get off on. Let's not forget the spa we just talked about, right? Where the the person lied and Antifa protested and everybody covered up, including all the corporate media, until the person was later arrested and charged with, with being a sexual predator, flashing himself to young children at the spa as well as numerous times before. That person's in jail right now. He's a sexual predator. And probably getting special treatment in prison because they're pretending saying they're trans. The point, though, was when it happened, they actually told the children they were being bigoted. They actually told the people involved that they were bigots. That child was sexually traumatized. Or rather, you know, that yeah, that's the right term. Like the idea that the person was being, you know, sexually flashing at himself and, and the child is traumatized going forward. That's even more so that they were told that they were wrong to think so. Imagine how confusing that was for the kid. 
or the different YMCA examples I've shown you, where in multiple locations, the YMCA has quite literally told young girls, six, seven years old, when confronted with a grown man who just says they're a woman in a shower, full frontal nudity for young six and seven year old girls, they were shaking in the bathroom until the person left and they were told they were bigots. But that person has every right to be there. I just don't know how that's possible without other very, very disgusting people allowing that to happen. And any woman who says, sorry, mate, you're a man, not welcome. She's striking a blow at his own, at the heart of his own self-image and his erotic fantasy as well. And men and their sex drives, you know, it's, it's one of the forces that moves this world is what men want mm-hmm. sexually. And these men are very, very motivated. I think of them as the beating nuclear reactor at the heart of this movement. They may not even be numerically the biggest part of this movement. And in fact, the foot soldiers of this movement are the young women who have grown up in queer theory at universities. And they're the worst for parroting that trans women are women. But without this hard core of men whose dearest and sole desire in life is to force everybody to pretend that they're women, this would not have got so far. This sexual fetish is taking over our world, our little girl's exactly. world, our, all of our spaces. And so in, in, to put it in legal terms, we have standing to object. And yet it's not recognized, not recognized by all these institutions that want to sound and look inclusive. And, and the worst thing about this. It's funny. I haven't watched Megan Kelly since she left Fox and she, she's definitely different. Her demeanor is different. Which I like. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I, you guys tell me, I haven't even seen her work since then, really. I've seen things passing. But is she, is she the same as was Fox or is she speaking the truth? I don't know. I haven't seen it. Um, so to finish the, you know, why these people are the beating, the date, you know, the toxic beating nuclear reactor at the heart of this movement is because it's so central to their self image and so central to their sexual fantasy that they really are women. They don't want you to play along. They don't want you to be like, yeah, whatever. Okay. You know, you're basically like a drag queen, you know? Right. See, this is a really important point of this part of this. That's what I keep trying to say about whether it's not that they want you to just not say your bad thing. Right. Remember, I keep saying this because, you know, that's what's really happening today is most people are just kind of not saying things. And, you know, they may have a disgusting opinion. They just keep it to themselves. But that's not enough. You're not allowed to have that thought. Right. They want to, you know, uh, what's the term? Remove (laughs) any of these thoughts from your mind. Right. They want to they want to make sure that you're taught differently to the point to where you're for like, you know, in camps or something like that's the mindset is people like that you deserve to be forced to we till we can prove that you don't think it anymore. Like that is, you know, exactly what we're all afraid of. Like this is so far over the top and that makes perfect sense. No, I don't care if men wear women's clothes. And so they, um, they have, they say that they were always that way, that really inside they're women. And that means they have to have been trans children. It means there have to have been trans children. So these men are the ones who want children put on sterilizing drugs, um, because to validate their sexuality. They're so dangerous. And we're listening to them. We are seeding the debate because we've been shamed by the media, I, by, as you point out, the, the main leaders of the movement, the generals, the young women who have been indoctrinated in queer theory in the universities. We're allowing these people to shame us. It's bad enough for us, but it's a totally different matter when we're talking about our children. And that's what I mean, that, that's what people need to remember. If you're too afraid to stand up for yourself, 
uh, you must find a way to stand up to this. Otherwise, our children are not only going to be hurt by these people, some of them, but they're going to be indoctrinated in the thinking and the harm is only going to spread. Right. Helen Joyce stays with us. I want to pick it up. That's a good clip. I think, I think, you know, the fact that Megyn Kelly is having her on speaks to something right there. But, you know, it's, it's I, I just I don't I mean I definitely think the media is clearly one of the reasons why this is happening. But at the same time, it's obvious to me that this is much larger than just like some kind of social contagion. Right. Where people just kind of got steamrolled because well, we're, we're afraid to speak out or I don't know. I, I just don't. There's something behind this, like like what Joy, what Helen Joyce is talking about. I, I, it's, I, I, it's impossible to me that it's just that this nuclear group of of autogotophilia kind of iliacs made this happen. Like either that is something that started and then was focused on and highlighted and and and, and escalated by people in you know, intelligence or some kind of operation like, or, or I just don't see how it could have organically happened. This is so inherently counter to just like everything we've ever thought, logic, science, everything. So there's only way I see that happening is if this is being dragged along by some kind of larger agenda. Right. So, I mean, I'm not saying they didn't say that. They just were saying that, you know, the, the earlier part of it, but to me, this is so obviously bigger than that. Now here's another great clip that was shared by the same account. In regard to a 1985 video about none other than this exact topic. And you might be shocked to find out what they're talking about. It's exactly what we're saying. This is a transvestite. He is a member of one of 300 transvestite groups that meet in secret across the country. Explain what the necessity is. Everybody has a way of relieving the pressure. Everybody does. Some people drink, some people gamble, some people jog. It doesn't matter, you know. My way of relieving that emotional pressure within me is to cross-dress. It's very difficult to explain. It was just a compulsion. I would do it. The first time I can remember uh, putting on any female clothing uh, would be in the area of 10 to 11 years old. And, and, and whose clothing was it? Mother's. In the beginning, did you masturbate with women's clothes on? Very definitely, yes. Did everybody here? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Every one of them, right? That's the point. The, specifically talking about autogonophilia, which is ultimately what this is. You, the point is that it's inherently sexual, right? The idea is not doing it because it's an identity thing. It's because it is about sexuality. It's about getting off, essentially. And the idea is that the, whether it's the chest feeding concept or dressing up like little children, like the point is, that's what this is really about for some of them. And as even Helen Joyce is pointing out, it might, maybe it's a, a smaller nuclear group. Maybe it's not most of them. But it, it matters it only it, that, it's ha- that we have a conversation about this in the context of, I mean, it's, to my point, it's like we're so far past the conversation. The point is we should be sprinting our children away from this conversation because it's so obvious that there's a problem here that's being aggressive. Like we're being forced to ignore it. So, yes, there is an overlap to this, that there are. Now, you could argue in the context of predators where, like, pedophiles getting close to children or just the idea that you now have an entirely new category of people like this that might be just abusing this to be able to push their sexual fetish by having a a child that they can chest feed with or whatever else we're talking about, because that may be their different fetish, because there's a specific overlap to this that has to do with the, the nipples and the breasts. We talked about this, but this is just about the dress. Today, the community would tell them, no, no, no. They just weren't being allowed to consider that they're actually trans because they know that, don't they? 
because they inside their heads, right? No, it's because that's the art, the narrative that makes your current reality make sense. So you assume that. Anybody here have homosexual experiences? No. no. Absolutely. All straight men. I had a great fear that I was a homosexual because I dressed. These people are almost always heterosexual, most often married men with children, most often in very masculine, even macho jobs. In fact, many of them, their masculine career has a uh, uniform of its own. Police officer, military officer, construction worker. So their masculinity has a set of clothing and their femininity has a set of clothing. It's only in the last few years that transvestites are letting us know where their anger is coming from. Some psychologists say their choice in clothes, the 40s and 50s, is reinforcing a primary bond with their mothers. But it's not enough to be all dressed up. There has to be a place to go. Since transvestites can't be safe in public, where do they party? This is the back room of a restaurant which a local transvestite group has rented. There is a network of transvestite groups across the country who hold parties like this where their members can go without risking scandal, loss of jobs, or their marriages. No one is allowed in without permission, though sympathetic wives and girlfriends do attend. There is a growing business catering to transvestites. Since most of them are oversized as females and have difficulty finding clothes, there are mail-order catalogs, boutiques, and tall girls' shops which attract the transvestite trade. This was 1985. It just, everything in front of us shows us that we're being lied to. Everything. And, and or, or if you want to, you could make it even more objective and simply say that literally everything in this discussion is at best assumption. Right? There's no long-term se- evidence that it's safe. Right? There's no evidence to say that every person that plays with ch- dolls that are not of their gender are in fact transgender. Which is what they're ultimately driving people to do right now. Now, here is another example before we finish with a couple of I'll make sure if I include that. Oh, I did include it right there. But <clears throat> this conversation just really does bother me. We, Matt Walsh did the same thing in his in his documentary. Gage Groomers points this out as this health expert is speaking with an interviewer and simply can to ask him, you know, what is a woman? Same conversation or rather, what is a man? The way that he responds really does show you how childish this is. As I said, this is just childish. They're very aware of of that being childish when they answer this way. In my opinion, it's just a smug refusal to answer because they know. I'm sorry, I'm just way I'm reading it sounded funny in my head. They know to truly answer this question reveals their stance is simply counter to biological reality, right? And and unscientific. And that this shows on the surface surreptitiousness. Right. The fact that he knows that he thinks a certain thing, but he knows that you guys will probably think it's crazy. So he doesn't say it out loud, even though he's convinced that's the truth. Well, if it's the truth then why don't you express it or even more so you you're feeling like there's some kind of, you know, wink, wink. I know what he's trying to do, so I'm going to pretend like I'm not going to answer. Either way, it's a basic reality that that they just don't want. It's the same thing every time this comes up. It's almost hard to watch. Man, what is a man? You don't know. Uh, Do you? Do you know what a man is? Uh, are you one? Do you know what a man is? Are you is? a man? Is that your, your are you, response I'm, I'm, to me? Are you a man? So that's your response I'm to me? I'm asking you. Ask, you ask me, then I'll ask you. No, I'm asking I'm, you what is a I'm man. A, I'm a, are you a man? 
What are you doing? You're not going to answer the question. Oh, I'll answer your <laughs> you question. You're my guest. You're the expert. My, my, you're the doctor. Right. Uh, you're your, supposed to be your answering interview. these questions. Well, if what you tell me what you you tell me what a man is, and then I can tell you whether I believe that That's a man true. is what you think it is, or whether it's not. Uh, it's not true. I could simply say I'm a man. Okay, go. And they would answer the same way. What is you? Tell me your definition. I'll tell you if I agree with you. You're, you're not going to answer that because we're running out of time and you're wasting okay. my time. Well, well, oh, it's a waste of your time. Well, I can leave no, if it's a waste of your time. Do you want to tell me what? Uh, is, is, is this a waste of your time? Plot-wise, is a waste of time. Okay. Do you? So you don't know what a man is? I do. What is a man? What kind of test is this? What is a man? What is a man? That's a rhetorical question. My God. You should instantly lose respect for anybody, whether it's about this conversation or not, that answers like that. So what it, what it shows you is inherently that either he thinks he's being trapped, so he's tr- dancing around the question, or he can't answer it, right? Or you know, or, or the third thing I said is, or he thinks that you just won't accept his answer, and so he just hides it. No, no matter how you look at this, it's childish and surreptitious. You're 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 kind of dancing around. You're the expert. I mean, how embarrassing. It probably just shows you that they know they'll get canceled and they don't want that. I mean, however you look at this, it's just obscene. We have, these people have lost their minds. Now, because of all of this conversation or any other COVID-19, the injections killing people that they're lying about, Nazis in Ukraine, he's Palestine being lied about over and over, over the Hunter Biden laptop and go every possible topic out there. It's all fake news, even though it's all very clearly proven. But the point is, they go, well, if you talk about these things on social media, well, we call that disinformation. And now we're calling for you to be banned on social media, to be censored and removed from groups and, you know, everything. Like a little mini lockdown in your life. You can't go to these clubs. You can't go to these places. Like they're trying to cancel you from life at this point for saying things of malicious anti-LGBTQ narratives. You mean the facts? (laughs) Well, somebody might be out there going, LGBTQ shouldn't exist and you're gross. (laughs) Well, yeah, that'd be stupid because that's not a real argument. Over here, where we're saying, well, science, peer-reviewed, says that you're hurting children, right? That's not anti-anything. That's pro-protecting children. Just because you don't like the facts doesn't mean it's anti what you think is happening. Well, the point is that we just showed you yesterday, there's plenty of evidence coming out where they're telling you, we're going to monitor your bank account as well as your social media activity because they're linked. We've seen the social credit card, the MasterCard, Experion, Overlap. It's all coming your way. That's under the COVID-19 vaccine passport conversation. Monitoring you. We just saw Matthew Green point out. I just showed this yesterday, the last show. One of our bank cards declined the payment from our Amazon bill. And from there, a cascading effect where now he's locked out of everything in his home because he was using Alexa. Why is anybody doing that? It blows my mind. Showing you this is going to continue to happen or did do the wrong thing, you're locked out of your account, and now if you're ridiculous enough to have your entire house run by Amazon, well, now you're locked out of your entire house. Well, the point is, this is building immediately. We just told you that they're going to palm, pay-by-palm technology at Whole Foods. Not yet about some kind of implant, but the idea being they're using your biometric data, which they've been trying to access anyway. So now you're being pushed into more cashless, more things that can be turned off, things like this where you're trying, this is in regard to FedNow and your transaction social credit information, you can, or excuse me, this, they said social credit, but that, it, I do agree with that. But your FedNow financial credit kind of conversation where they're going to be driving you into CBDCs, social credit being the very next step where they then apply what you say on social media to be able to stop you from buying things. But the point is also based on your biometric data. All of this can be instantly shut off if they think you are no longer allowed to use these things, which they're actively calling for right now. 
hard not to see the connect, right? Well, one of the other very obvious problems in this that I'm telling you is not even a secret is literally just about to happen. That's my opinion. And it could change based on certain factors, but it's really obvious this is building climate lockdowns. You know, the completely fake news story of climate lockdown that never actually happened and nobody's called for, right? That's what, see, that's what all of them are telling you right now. Never a thing. You're all lying, except for the 40,000 articles that called for it 30 seconds ago. But it says how climate lockdowns became the new battleground for conspiracy-driven protest movement. And you read this, it's just laugh out loud. It's just, it's all they're really doing is just kind of clump, ham-fistedly going, this is just the same people. Here's the COVID-19 movement of conspiracy, whatever that even means. <laughs> I don't know all the other people talking about the truth in this conversation that are now just becoming the new lockdown climate movement. They just, they, it's like, they can't think Pat, like, so we're all just clumsy about two things. No, I'm talking about trans, I'm talking about foreign policy. It's like they just pretend like we're some kind of organized movement that was all about lying about COVID vaccines. And now we're all collecting to lie about climate lockdowns. That's, they, they, I, some of these people literally believe this cartoonish view of the world. That there just can't be people that genuinely fight for the truth and that you might just be wrong. That it's some coordinated grouping that only talks about the new thing. This <laughs> is just stupid. But we've talked about this a lot. Long before this. Here's the tag again for the different shows we've talked about in regard to climate lockdowns. This should be popping up on the next one. New now. Let's see if the tags are working. Yep, there it is. Make sure you, I hope you guys didn't miss the help that I, I put on the image there. <laughs> but here is something you might remember. People have been bringing this up, rightly so, because this is an important point. Remember when, when uh, James O'Keefe caught CNN? saying they were going to transition into the climate change narrative because that was the new thing and people were tired of COVID. Yeah, that happened. Here it is. It comes out, they're going to latch onto it. They've already announced in her office that once the public is will be open to it, we're going to start focusing mainly on climate um, uh, climate, like global warming and like, that's going to be our next, like, um, I don't know, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's, our, it's going to be our focus. Like, uh, like our, our focus was to get Trump out of office, right? Without saying it, that's what it was, right? So our next thing is going to be for climate change awareness. What does that look like? I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I have a feeling it's just going to be, like, constantly showing videos of, like, decline and ice and weather warming up and like the effects it's having on the economy and yeah isn't that what we're watching right now it is clearly you can't deny this you could argue he's lying sure but to what end like that's not very impressive like what do you think you're impressing somebody like the point is this is just a conversation about it and he literally told you that in her office meeting they announced to us this was the next focus you know because we were trying to get trump out of office right all these things are well known to people that aren't ridiculous not that that's necessarily the entire agenda of everything but there were people in cnn that were actively not trying to inform you but trying to achieve their agenda just like with fox news just like any of these ridiculous fake corporate media outlets Sad news is that people lost in the paradigm only want to hear one part of that, and that's why they remain lost. But the point is that clearly this is a real concept. We've seen this over and over again, and exactly what he said is now happening. Why can't we just be grown-ups about this and acknowledge this is real? But Well, because two-party politics. But what's next after this? 
right? Climate change scare. Well, obviously, it drives you into exactly what I talked about yesterday. The social credit score, the, the dystopian kind of technocratic control structure that they claim will stop climate change. It's not a hard thing to see. That's my opinion, but the evidence is all across the board. You really talking about it. The head of the network, like, just... Who's that? Is that Zucker? Zucker, yeah. I imagine that he's got his counsel, and they've all, like, discussed, like, where they think... Um, so that's, like, the next... Pandemic, like, story, like, that will, yeah, that will will beat to death. But that one's got longevity. You know what I mean? It's not like there's a definitive ending to the pandemic or, you know, like it'll taper off to a point that it's you know, not a problem anymore. Probably think it's going to take years. So they'll probably be able to milk that for quite a bit. You know, for, for. Milk that quite a bit. So, so climate change overload. Okay. Be prepared. It's coming. <laughs> Stories like right now. Another meet. Um, we had an inside track right now where two stories are going to be pushed. Climate change is going to be the next COVID thing to see. You know, we're going to we're going to hone in on it. I love it. But that's but that's a fair thing. You saw that coming. But to commit to that as a commit to that. That's another person from CNN. Don't forget that. Most people forget that. Two people from CNN conclu- occur- agreeing with this. It's just how anybody pretends like this is fake is beyond me. But to commit to that as a network. You said it's going to be like the new COVID. Well, here we are. Now, the lie, right? The story that this is fake news. The battleground for conspiracy-driven protest movements is totally fake, though, right? Here's The Hill totally not saying this on 2022. Coming soon, climate lockdowns, right? Here is the Green Matters website totally not asking, will climate lockdowns be necessary to fight the climate change? Here is WBCSD totally not advocating a climate lockdown. It's just so stupid. Here it says right here, in the near future, the world may need to resort to lockdowns again, this time to tackle the climate emergency. Now realize, this article's not saying that it's a topic, but that the government's not really going to do it. This, this is saying it's a ridiculous fake news story that's only being perpetuated by conspiracy theorists because they like a the conspiracy theory or whatever. But then how do you explain all of these different articles that were written by mainstream, very prominent outlets that are literally going, we may need a lockdown for climate. <laughs> it's because we live in an absolute ridiculous theater clown world where, it, where we can watch the reality where they can literally come out with, from corporate media and say, that's fake news. And then you can walk 10 steps and find 30 examples of the thing they just said wasn't real. That's why this is all coll- collapsing, possibly by design, in front of us. Because how do you not see that? And even worse, the people that are lost in the paradigm that are pretending they don't see it, well, that's coming fast, too. Because it's clearly coming down. So you're going to be the worst and the furthest behind the eight ball if you continue to pretend like this stuff is fake because of your two-party illusion. But the point, obviously is real. They keep telling us, well, like this is this one's literally saying, here's what we have to do to, to avoid the climate lockdown, which they'll continue to argue in here is advocated by all sorts of people. Here's Forbes. World needs equivalent of pandemic lockdown every two years to meet the Paris climate emission. The goals. But I guess that's not real because the NBC said so, right? UN style lock, UN says lock, lockdown style emission cuts must become permanent. 
Now, that's more of a, a paraphrasing what they said, but let's look at what they actually said. Humanities on thin ice, major UN report says urgent action is needed to combat climate change. Well, if you read this, it's very clear what they're suggesting, that we need something kind of like what happened with the lockdown, but we don't know what that might be. <laughs> yeah, I think we can guess. UN environment program. The point is, we'll go over some of these clips it reads. It says the COVID-19 has provided insight into how rapid lifestyle changes can be brought about by governments who must c- create conditions that make lifestyle changes possible. <laughs> that sounds really fuzzy and nice. What they mean is forcing you to do things they think are best for everybody, even when they're really not best for everybody. And by force, they mean all the kind of things they've already done. But if you frame that as make it conditions that make lifestyle changes possible, it sounds really f- fluffy and nice, doesn't it? Civil society actors who must encourage positive social norms and a sense of collective agency by, for lifestyle changes. Right. Civil society actors. So literal actors, you know, are the people that are pushing forward the ideology, basically driving you to do what they decide is better and infrastructure. And what do you think this means? They're talking about all sorts of actual changes, which must support behavior changes. Why did did we ask for that? No, because they're deciding that's needed whether or not you want it. You see, because they're smarter than you. The lockdown period in many countries may be long enough to establish new lasting routines if supported by longer term measures. In planning the recovery from COVID-19, governments have an opportunity to to catalyze low carbon lifestyle changes by disrupting entrenched practices. Right. Of course, arguing that, you know, we didn't want to lock down. We had to. That's not true. We know how this went down now. But the point is what they were saying was, well, look at how lockdown's changing everything. It's working. So they're kind of saying if we can just make this last longer, it'll work. Or if we can just find ways to enshrine what the, the, how your life changed during lockdown, because that's what we all want, right? We want to live our lives like it was during lockdown. That's what they're actually saying here, because that'll save the environment. It's not true. Here's another point. It says, although 2020 emissions will be lower than in 2019 due to the COVID crisis and associated responses, which I don't even know if that's true. I think there's even the... Uh, National Geographic called this out, but it says GHG concentrations in the atmosphere continue to rise with an immediate reduction in emissions expected to have a negligible long-term impact. So half a year or more of complete shutdown for the most part, negligible impact on climate change. Interesting. However, the unprecedented scale of COVID-19 economy, economic recovery measures presents the opening for a low-carbon transition that creates the structural changes required to sustain emissions reductions. It's a nice way of saying we're going to force in the changes that you were forced to live with forever to fight climate change. Seizing this opening will be critical to budging the emissions gap. And that's, of course, meeting climate agreements that you never had a say in. The United Nations Secretary General is calling on governments to use COVID-19 recovery as an opportunity to create more sustainable, resilient, and inclusive societies. Took a page right out of Klaus Schwab's statement, didn't he? Because that's what this is. Aligned with this, the United Nations framework on climate change has stressed that governments could integrate and specify some of their post-COVID recovery plans and policies in their new or updated NDCs and long-term mitigation strategies, both of which are requested to submit in 2020. It says, in the pandemic-linked economic slowdown is expected to cause a drop of up to 7% in carbon dioxide emissions this year. However, as the UNEP emissions gap report 2020 shows, this dip will have an insignificant impact on the agreement. This getting your, you know, the temperature down and all these conversations we've gotten into, which are complete illusions for the most part, unless the international community prioritizes the green recovery. So ultimately what these are insinuating is that, well, you know, we saw something during the lockdown and that was a positive, even though it's not making a difference, but we should learn from these things that didn't make a difference and 
broaden out and extend these things, these changes in our lives so we can continue to not make a difference? No, because if we do it long enough, it will make a difference. Well, that's not what you just told us. You said it didn't really make a difference. Okay, but I'm sure somebody will think otherwise. But it says, the report says that the expected 2020 fall in emissions it translates to 0.01% reduction in global warming by 2050. Think about that. Overall, we are heading for a world that is 3.2% warmer. Well, by all measures, by all statements and all predictions, that's probably not going to happen. Every time they, I'll show you some in a minute. But it's saying that by the end of the century, even with full implementation of unconditional nationally determined contributions under the Paris Agreement. So, okay, so even if we do everything that you're saying we should do, we're still talking about, I mean, this is being set up to argue rad, radical change. That's what this is basically saying. Even the things we propose aren't going to make a difference. So we'll need something even more crazy. Here it says, at present, there are no studies available that quantify this. And they're getting into what they think will happen, essentially. Well, these scenarios will have long-term effects. That's what I was just getting into, right? But it says, at present, there's no studies available to quantify this. Isn't that perfect how that works out? Everything they want seems to be completely unscientifically proven. You know, like, these injections are working, but all the science is otherwise. These things are helping kids not commit suicide, except all the science is otherwise, and the long-term isn't there. Here we are again. There's no science that says what we think is going to happen, but trust us, it will happen. But at the global scale, it is expected to be only a second-order effect. Similarly, COVID-19 and associated rescue and recovery measures will only affect long-term pathways to keep global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius or below if they result in a structural shift of the economy. Although, like, so if we have lasting effects from the lockdowns, although... COVID-19 lockdown measures have resulted in a sharp temporary decline in global fossil fuel use, carbon dioxide emissions, a sharp decline. However, there is currently no firm scientific evidence to confirm a structural shift of the economy towards a higher or lower emissions in the long term. The point was also that even though we saw the sharp decline, there was not an obvious difference. That's what they said in the study, and I'll show you something else that backs that up. The gap assessment between NDCs and at least cost pathway thus remains unaffected by the pandemic, although current policy projections could be impacted. Lastly, page 99, I was going to come back to this. It says, COVID-19 has impacted everyday life around the world, disrupting many establishment patterns of behavior. As noted in chapter two of this report, an unintended side effect of lockdown policies was a sharp, unprecedented drop in carbon emissions, representing the largest relative reduction globally since World War II. Again, but had a negligible effect on what they say they're trying to change. That's important. That was their word, negligible. However, policies to contain COVID-19 differ from those needed to curb carbon emissions in important ways. And there are risks in drawing simplistic parallels between these very different issues. I love how they do that, where they, they say that kind of thing and then go on to do what they said you shouldn't do. Lockdown policies were enacted quickly and designed to be temporarily temporary disruptions to the status quo. By contrast, lifestyle changes to address climate change entail carefully managed and long-term transitions away from the status quo towards more sustainable and equitable practices. Okay, so whether you're talking about a, another lockdown or slow, gradual changes that amount to similar things, like people arguing that what's happening in the Oxford conversation that they all call conspiracy theory. Whether you want to pretend that that is exactly what they say is happening or not, it amounts to the same direction. You're talking about actions that you're taking to reduce emissions, and what that does is it restricts your life. Right? They would agree with that. 
What they disagree with is that it's a global world economic forum elite conspiracy to control your life. Well, who's actually really saying that? Now, that's something we can discuss. I do think that there's some level of a coordinated effort here, but in the conversation about whether these Oxford actions are meant to influence your life to lower emissions, that's exactly what it is. It just gets framed in a very broad way by people that say that's a conspiracy to, you know, climate lockdowns. They frame it in a way that makes it look ridiculous so people read it and go, oh, it is fake, even though it's exactly what those people are saying when you comb through all of the outer narrative. That there is a conspiracy here. It's about controlling your life. Even if they pretend it's for your best interest, it's stated very plainly. Nonetheless, COVID-19 has shown that rapid, extensive, and profound changes in lifestyles are possible. If they force them, yeah. And those aren't lasting either. Unless they're, you know, literally change you forever because they did things to you that you didn't ask for. And with coordinate and, and with the coordination of governments and civil society. Right. Is everybody happy with what just happened? Do we feel that was a positive outcome? Ruin children's, you know, development, health, everything. But yeah, but it, it lowered a small amount of carbon that didn't have an effect on the outcome. But hooray, let's do it again. The lessons for climate mitigation from COVID-19 are less about the magnitude or longevity of the drop in emissions observed and more about the insights gained into how rapid lifestyle changes can happen. That's interesting. So I guess we just have to do it in a larger way with the hope or assumption that it might have an effect. First, governments must lead the way and create conditions under which lifestyle changes are possible. For example, economic measures that enable workers to remain at home. This, you realize this has, none of this has to do with what you want. See? They're, they're framing themselves as the altruistic, forlorn heroes that we have to take action. And we know you're not going to like it, but it's for your best interest. Who gave you that power? We don't want that. But it says, second, positive social norms and a sense of collective agency are important for behavioral change. A sense of collective. So that as long as they make you feel like you're involved, that's important for change. So we can force you to change. Finally, infrastructure to lock in behavior changes is critical. That is what we're talking about. That is the 15-minute city. That is the whatever version of lockdown we're talking about. For example, in the case of cities that, in response to COVID, took action to promote walking and cycling and encourage local food production. Is this what we're talking about? It doesn't have to be some grand, you know, cartoonish conspiracy concept. It's the same concept. This is a conspirator. This is a conspiracy. This is about forcing us to change our lives for the benefit of this. That's the stated narrative anyway, or for the benefit of an agenda, with this being the stated purpose. Either way, it's very obvious what we're talking about. Where were we here? Here, going forward, as we have a UN document literally telling us that they're going to continue to do things in this exact vein of thought, 15-minute cities, climate lockdowns, changing your actions in general, day-to-day life, in order to reduce emissions. And we also have a thousand examples of the corporate media going, we need climate lockdowns, but simultaneously tell you that you're, that's not true. Oh, and then by the way, here's Justin Trudeau telling you there's going to be climate lockdowns because it's totally fake. We learned from this climate, this uh, COVID crisis, we will be applying to the climate crisis, to the housing crisis, to reconciliation. And that is not the first time he said that. And that's, that's actually more abstract than the last time he said it. They have been very clear that these things will be used. Even though we've proven that not only were they a failure in regard to COVID, but they're failures in general. 
In fact, they're almost designed to cause social disruption and cause psychosis, in fact. But here, this is 2023. So this is what happens after they've routinely failed to set a narrative, like with UK or excuse me, Ukraine or East Palestine, any other number of things we point out. They failed. You're winning because they failed because most people are laughing about how completely transparent these narratives are. So they come out in 2023 and go, okay, fine. There may be some truth to what they're saying, but it's not, doesn't make them right. This is just so embarrassing. This is desperation. This is like coming out and going, okay, fine. There's Nazis in Ukraine, but it's not what you think. Okay, wait a minute then. Are you admitting you were lying? Are you admitting that you were wrong? No, we were right the whole time. Russia, bad guy, but yeah, okay. It's pretty disgustingly sad to watch how they squirm, eat crow, but they pretend like they were right the whole time, right? So there is some truth to climate conspiracy theories, but that doesn't make them right. Well, what is, okay, maybe you guys need to look up what truth means. Let's do it for them. Truth, the quality or state of being true. Hmm, Okay. This one says, that which is true or in accordance with fact or reality. Huh. Okay. So explain for me how there can be truth to what you're saying, but that that doesn't make you right. Hmm. That's interesting. That's a pretty abstract statement. What they want you to do is go, just because you say things that are true or factual doesn't mean that that's true or factual. Right? Be confused. Now, obviously, you could make a point about how somebody could say something that's kind of true, but that doesn't make it entirely the entire case, but that's not actually what they're saying, right? I understand that that's what they want you to perceive from this, but let's read what they say. Oh, I think it's right here. But it says, having systematically colonized the ranks of government, academia, and media, including malleable-minded climate writers like yours truly, the dark legions of the World Economic Forum have reportedly gotten around to their real work, employing the techno-fascist designs on traffic patterns in Oxford, UK. Or that's what some people on the internet are saying anyway. A viral climate conspiracy is saying that a new plan for Oxford's government is to use cameras and fines to limit through traffic in a congested city center and reduced automobile pop pollution is actually part of a scheme by global elite new world order types to enforce so-called climate lockdowns. Okay, so here's the funniest part. Everything that he said up until the point, the scheme is literally what's happening. Now, aside from the pretend overlap about the creep of the world. The, okay, let's, let's rehash. Government, academia, media clearly in line with the World Economic Forum. That's open. They're openly telling you that. And they're doing this to create actions that reduce emissions for 2030 and 20, right? That's that's not even up for debate. And part of that plan is traffic patterns in the UK and elsewhere to reduce emissions. Okay, so aside from the, I guess the word techno-fascist, he quite verbatim outlined what's happening. Except what he wants you to read it as is some kind of Stark conspiracy. <laughs> They're literally talking together and deciding it. Okay, so uh, maybe he doesn't know that, first of all. But on top of that, it says, or that's what some people are saying, after which he outlines exactly the truth, other than that there's some kind of dark, but even then, like that's certainly possible too. And I also believe that there is something behind that. So ultimately what they're trying to pin it on is that, yes, it's all happening, but what you think they're doing it for is crazy. <laughs> Well, what do, we, what do you think we think it's happening for? You don't even, it's just, this is so pathetic. A viral climate conspiracy is saying that a new plan by Oxford's government, which there is, to use cameras, which they're doing, and fines, which they have, to limit traffic, which is happening in a congested city, which is why they say it's happening, and reduce pollution, which is the whole point. You see, truth, 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 truth. 
And this is where he tells you it's fake news because it's part of a scheme by global elites. Well, okay, well, what are we talking about? Elitists, really. World Economic Forum, which is about the world stakeholders. So you could quite literally say it's the elitist elites of the world. Okay. New World Order types, which I bet you that's the only thing in all of it, to enforce climate lockdowns, which is fake because what you think when you say that is some kind of conspiracy theory. No, we're talking about exactly what you just described. I mean, this this is like a a, a course in how to be. I mean, I how this is. It's almost hard to define this. You're using the truth, and you're even stating everything exactly the way it is, other than saying new world order, and then using even correctly climate lockdown, but then going on to argue that that means something other than what we say, which implies you somehow know what we're thinking. How do these people have jobs? Seriously. Well, let's let's look at exactly what isn't true. But the point is that now it's used to be outrageously fake is now kind of real, but not entirely. That's how this game is played typically. Well, we already showed you in Israel, they already have a version of this. They're not calling it a climate lockdown, but they're literally saying that they're basically because of extreme weather, that they're closing down certain outdoor. This is this is a version of this. This is where it begins. Well, why? Well, because they don't want people moving and using their cars and driving. It's, it's exactly the same thing. Call it what you want. Actually, how about this? Don't call it anything. Just acknowledge this is part of what is happening. Like, the, is it because we say climate lockdown that suddenly it's a conspiracy theory? Like, it's literally happening. Point at it and say, I don't want that. <laughs> that way, don't give them something to write about. It's like, well, you both see it's happening. Maybe then they'll write about how things aren't real at all. But the point is, here's Justin Trudeau. How he tells you climate lockdowns and how we need to fight for the climate. Well, earlier today, he drove around Toronto attending meetings for climate change. Technically, this was on the 18th, I think, 17th. But somehow needed 27 vehicle motorcade to drive to these meetings when it could have been done in Zoom. This is how you fight the climate crisis, right? I don't know how these people that buy into all this don't, you know, how they all have jets they fly around on or they all buy homes on waterfront property and have it's just it's everything their actions contradict everything but they all well they gotta have a really nice home so they can feel good about fighting for climate you know whatever whatever the ridiculous argument is people do it they do it with all their agendas well just in case it matters though here's an actual scientific study from the 2021 that says climate not covid19 lockdowns temporarily raised global temperatures yeah you heard that right for the podcast COVID-19 lockdowns temporarily raised global temperatures. It even goes on to talk about that. This counterintuitive finding highlights the influence of airborne particles. Okay, great. So we're all baffled, guys. We're so baffled why it didn't work out like the, like the, like the propaganda agenda we've been pushing all this time. Why? Well, because that's not how this works. Because we are being lied to about carbon in the atmosphere. We're being lied to about how this affects the planet. It's unbelievable. But yes, we're destroying the planet primary of which are the governments of the world, China, the United States, the militaries, ruining this planet. Why you should somehow have to dictate your life. Are they? It's all about dictating your life, guys. How in, the, how in the world are you going to point to climate lockdowns from COVID and say we should do it for climate as you can prove that in fact had the opposite effect? Well, that's what a lot of people have said anyway. But here's how they're trying to scare you anyway. Or actually, before we get to that, here is climatologist Dr. Judith Curry testifying about how she knows this is a hoax, but she bought it at first. There's plenty of them out there. And of course, just like with COVID, if they stand up and say this, well, suddenly they're no longer an expert. Interesting how that works. 
I thank the chairman and the ranking members for the opportunity to offer testimony today. Prior to 2009, I felt that supporting the IPCC consensus on climate change was a responsible thing to do. I bought into the argument, don't trust what one scientist says, trust what an international team of a thousand scientists has said after years of careful deliberation. That all changed for me in November 2009, following the leaked ClimateGate emails that illustrated the sausage-making and even bullying that went into building the consensus. I started speaking out, saying that scientists needed to do better at making the data and supporting information publicly available, being more transparent about how they reach conclusions, doing a better job of assessing uncertainties, and actively engaging with scientists having minority perspectives. The response of my colleagues to this is summed up by the title of a 2010 article in the Scientific American, Climate Heretic, Judith Curry Turns on Her Colleagues. Heretic. That's pretty telling. I came to the growing realization that I had fallen into the trap of groupthink. I had accepted the consensus based on second-order evidence, the assertion that a consensus existed I began making an independent assessment of topics in climate science that had the most relevance to policy. Another question we should ask in all these things, like she just kind of did right there, how do we know this consensus even exists? They just aggressively state that all the time. I mean, I see a few of them that say these things, but I see more often than not people speaking up around the peripheral saying, that's crazy. I mean, maybe there's a consensus, but the bottom line is it's not, there's just as many people out here saying that they're wrong. They just pretend like most of, if you're not saying it, you're not part of the community that matters. But maybe that consensus doesn't even exist in any of these conversations, as she just alluded to. And what have I concluded from this assessment? Human-caused climate change is a theory in which the basic mechanism is well understood, but whose magnitude is highly uncertain. No one questions that surface temperatures have increased overall since 1880, or that humans are adding carbon dioxide to the atmosphere, or that carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases have a warming effect on the planet. However, there is considerable uncertainty and disagreement about the most consequential issues, whether the warming has been dominated by human causes versus natural variability, how much the planet will warm in the 21st century, and whether warming is dangerous. The central issue in the scientific debate on climate change is the extent to which the recent and future warming is caused by humans versus natural climate variability. Research effort and funding has focused on understanding human causes of climate change. However, we have been misled in our quest to understand climate change by not paying sufficient attention to natural causes of climate variability in particular from the sun and from the long-term oscillations in ocean circulations. Why do scientists disagree about climate change? The historical data is sparse and inadequate. There's disagreement about the value of different classes of evidence, notably the value of global climate models. There's disagreement about the appropriate logical framework for linking and assessing the evidence. And scientists disagree over assessments of areas of ambiguity and ignorance. How then and why have climate scientists come to a consensus about a very complex scientific problem that the scientists themselves acknowledge has substantial and fundamental uncertainties? Because the government said so. 
Climate scientists have become entangled in an acrimonious political debate that has polarized the scientific community. As a result of my analyses that challenge IPCC conclusions, I have been called a denier by other climate scientists and most recently by Senator Sheldon Whitehouse. My motives have been questioned by Representative Grijalva in a recent letter sent to the president of Georgia Tech. There is enormous pressure for climate scientists to conform to the so-called consensus. This pressure comes not only from politicians, but from federal funding agencies, universities and professional societies, and scientists themselves who are green activists. Reinforcing this consensus are strong monetary, reputational, and authority interests. In this politicized environment, advocating for carbon dioxide emissions reductions is becoming the default expected position for climate scientists. This advocacy extends to the professional society that publish journals and organize conference. Policy advocacy, when combined with understating the uncertainties, risks destroying science's reputation for honesty and objectivity, without which scientists become regarded as merely another lobbyist group. I would like to thank the committee for raising the issue of data versus dogma in support of improving the integrity of climate science. This concludes my testimony. Too bad there's been too many people that have spoken up over the years just like that, and they don't care because it's not about truth. It never has been unless it's, you know, for us, the government does not care about these things. It's about using agendas. It's any other topic, we have, anything, no matter what we're talking about, foreign policy. They act like they care about the lives of the children. They care about the li the people that they're fighting. They care about the, the medicine they're working for. It's all a means to an end. They care about controlling your lives. Now here is how this has been burning. Like it's, it's clear that this has been building more and more day by day. And we, we showed you this recently. Like the absurdity of going back 2017 compared to 2022. The temperatures are even hotter on the above picture. But it's all green versus all red. Now you could argue that just happened. But it's obviously a choice. We're seeing it pretty consistently. And even more so. Things like this. Well, I've never even seen that, but this is on Good Morning Britain. According to this map, the Atlantic is now a vat of molten lava. The Alps are now on fire, and the Med has been consumed by a never-been-seen-before pink heat. Look at the numbers, though. They're absolutely normal for summertime. They are. Why is it all... I mean, look at that. Cut. Look at this one. Here's the... This, more, this is the interesting one. They've actually recalibrated... Because that's where they usually have. They've got these kind of graphs, right? There is a green... Right? These things are supposed to have different varying colors, like this one. And it says they've actually recalibrated the temperature scale, the bands, to bring in red at 20 degrees Celsius. 20 plus degrees isn't hot. You used to only see red at 40. They literally just changed the entire scale to be basically every day is red and almost overboard. Oh, like Not even yellow. What an obvious sleight of hand to feed the panic. Someone is being paid a lot of money to do this. I'm probably correct. That's his opinion. I would probably agree. Here's the same thing with hotter temperatures. Look at the numbers. These are 20s, right? <laughs> here, here we are. 1983 in France. <laughs> 35, 38. It's just embarrassing. These, this is not new. James Melville points out, the climate in Ireland has experienced a significant change within just 12 days of headlines. Isn't that interesting? Here's the first one. Ireland will soon have a Mediterranean-style climate. 
May 2023. And then, oh wait, it's the other way around. So this one's May 5th. It's the first one. Almost the only exception. Ireland may see colder weather due to climate change. What? Now it's over here. It says Ireland may soon have a Mediterranean style. Like it just, it's, if you have to just, if, if, if whatever ultimately happens makes your point for you, then what you think is happening isn't happening. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Either way it goes, that's pretty, that works for you, right? Well, this is one point I've seen many times every time this conversation comes up. Everywhere is getting hotter than everywhere else. And this is, a, you'll find this just, it's hilarious if you do look it up. New England is warming up faster than the rest of the world. Israel's warming up almost twice as fast as the rest of the world. China's heating up almost twice as fast as the rest of the world. Australia's heating up faster than anywhere in the world. Really? <laughs> Maybe two of them, but they didn't see. Obviously, this is an agenda being pushed. That's laugh out loud ridiculous. Ireland's heat temperature is hotter than ever. Ridiculous. Sky News, according to Ben Leo, is working on a pandemic nudge units to now push climate crisis propaganda. The climate fear porn seen across the UK broadcasters is being orchestrated by the very same behavioral insight team that nudged people into hiding behind their sofas during the pandemic, which we now know they are caught, as even Matt Hancock said, we've got to scare them, right? They, they, they Not based on facts. We now know that, just to get you to do what they wanted. Sky News is working with them to push it. Here's a 2021 pledge from Sky that behavior change on climate can be driven by TV. Oh, where was that? I thought it said in there. But, you know, bottom, oh, this right here. Behavior change, as you can see before that popped up, can be driven by TV. Right. So the point is that they're using these maps and this effort to drive you to do like, and look, they could literally argue that they're lying for the interest of stopping climate change. So it's okay. Like that's how the minds work of some of these people lying for their truth, as it were. Now here, Robin Minotti points out BBC tweets a temperature for Sicily, which is 10 degrees higher than the BBC app for Palmero, Sicily. What's going on? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. They're lying. BBC says it's 47, 46 degrees Celsius. Well, their own app says 37. Oops, that doesn't work. How about this one? Here's the actual weather forecast. Dear the BBC, we have the internet. Your everywhere is hotter than everywhere else claims are easy to debunk. Seven degrees hotter. That just, I mean, here's another example. Same temperature manipulation in France. Here's France's post. Over 42 degrees Celsius. And as they put that banner, it says 32 degrees. <laughs> People are so ridiculous. Ask yourself why they have to lie about it. Because they're trying to hype something. This person says, is this climate change or weather? 12 degrees in the middle of July. It's absolutely honking down. Well, you know, I think that makes sense until you are logical and go, okay, so too hot, climate change. Too cold, climate change. No rain, climate change. Too much rain, climate change. Snow, climate change. Too much snow, climate change. Windy, climate change. Too windy, climate change. Woo! It must be climate change. Clearly, right? Well, here is Wittgenstein pointing out another example of how we've been told a lot of things that never come to pass. Mr. Climate Change himself, Al Gore, is saying the North Pole will be ice-free in the summer by 2013 because of man-made global warming. Well, by their own admission, we haven't done anything. In fact, it's gotten worse, right? Well, it's not what's happening. I mean, this is just a picture, but you can look for yourself. I just think the image is funny. 2023. Nope, it's still cold. Pretty, pretty sure there's still ice over there, and it's not even remotely what they're saying it is. 
In fact, you'll find examples of the exact opposite, like we saw before we mentioned in our previous segment. Now, last two points. This is what we're seeing because of this. People taking ridiculous action and even being allowed to do so. Now, this one's not even the most alarming, but you know how dangerous this is? What you're looking at is these ridiculous, I don't even want to call them eco-terrorists because they're a bunch of ridiculous, you know, you want to look at the people living in their mother's basements that are, you know, <laughs> these kind of people. This, they are dumping oil, oil on a highway. And as she's doing it, she slips in the oil. The point is they're making fun of that, but we're missing the point here. What if a motorcycle, what if anybody drives by and you cause some kind of massive crash? Well, to them, that doesn't matter because it's more about climate change will kill everybody. Well, when you convince people that we're all, everyone's going to die in 30 seconds, well, they take ridiculous action because it doesn't matter anymore. That's radicalization right there. I, I can't, these people should be in jail. That's a crazy reality right there. Oil on a highway is a really big deal. And last point. As Bernie Tweets points out, so as we're all screaming about climate change and the environment, right? All these people want to save the environment. We've got to use green energy. Well, she points out, remember the fact checkers denied Scotland cut down 14 million trees to build wind farms? That was fake news when that happened, right? Well, they were right. They lied about that. It was 16 million, according to the Telegraph. 16 million trees to develop wind farms that aren't even working. The point how do you make sense of cutting down something that helps everything? The trees, which actually convert this stuff into oxygen. You're telling me that we're going to cut down 16 million trees for wind farms to be able to stop them? Like, that doesn't even replace what's being used right now. But the, the trees, it's like they're trying to create what they think you, what they're telling you is happening. That is crazy. This is a real thing. That's something that can actually affect your life. If we're allowing governments to actively take action they claim is helping you, that's verb, like by definition hurting the planet. And the scariest thing is maybe the actual mindless following politicians that are doing these things may not even know that's what they're doing. It's terrifying. But on that note, guys, we'll leave it there for today. Thank you for tuning in. I think this stuff is incredibly important and it's only going to get more intense because we're exposing what they're doing. So they're only going to try to scare you more. Just find confidence and, and security and, you know, community in what we're doing here. Realize that you are not alone and everybody else sees the same thing. And they're just going to try to scare you back. Find the courage. Stay the course. You're making a difference. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.